Hello, and welcome to Scuttlebutt, the war movie review podcast. We're happy to have you with us as we take a look at films from the dawn of cinema to today. We aim to provide a raw and unapologetic review of each film's cinematography, historical accuracy, and delivery. In the process of analysis, certain details will be revealed. These spoilers are only divulged to ensure a fair assessment of each film. We take to the skies over Fortress Europe this week with Michael Carton Jones's 1990 epic, Memphis Bell. As always, I'm joined by Mike A. Hello. Mike B. Yes, sir. And Nate. We're going down, Peter. <laughs> so, guys, what'd you think? <coughs> you just you you literally just made fun of Brian for coughing, yeah. and then you just I know I know do the, the force black, cough. It's the a, it's a lung. it's a lingering cough that I've had for like over a week now. The black lung is spreading. Yeah, can I say Uh-oh. yeah. Yeah. I think I'm done. Stop, think, work, Mike? stop working in the coal mines, man. How, you know, come on. I got the black lung pot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't <laughs> spent day one in West Virginia, but I've got the black lung. <laughs> okay, Zoolander. Yeah, see, he got the reference. Um, but, okay. Uh, nice. but uh, okay, who's going first? You are. Why me? Because I, I I asked you. Why? What you think? Your grandfather was a member of the Boise Bell, so yeah. <laughs> um, he was the navigator. So yeah, I'd never seen this before, and um, uh, I, I had heard mixed things on it uh, from when I would ever hear it, and um, I it's it's okay. I think it's okay. It's okay. I'm not. The writing was kind of shitty to me. I uh, didn't really like a lot of the dialogue that was going on. Um, I thought the actors were all giving it their best, but some of the dialogue was just kind of cringy to me. Um, uh, decent effects for the, you know, for some pretty good, like, effects. Uh, and I kind of like some of the propaganda stuff with, you know, uh, where they're, like, you know, trying to write this story about them and all that. I've always kind of l- liked that, but... I don't know. For some reason, the writing wasn't as like solid as I thought it should be. It felt a little like it was lacking in that department. So it coming out of the coming out swinging um, is all right. You know, I, it has its problems, I think, but uh, some good stuff too. Mm, Mike. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I'd say it's a little <laughs> bit more than all right, but again, this is not my area of expertise at all. Like, um, um. I mean, I've read a lot of books about this and a lot of memoirs about bomber crews and in the ETO and MTO and um, not as much as the PTO, but like, so yeah, the the whole 25 missions and then you get to go home was a real thing. And very few people actually got to do that, which was kind of cool that they mentioned that, right? I did like that factor. Um, Yes, the writing, I I agree, was it it should have been a lot better because the effects were good. And it also showed like, cause um, I know, I know Brian and Nate have seen a real B 17 in real life. Mike, have you ever seen one? Uh, not uh, in person. Yes. But like not near it. Like when it's like up close, up close, like they're super yeah, cramped. Yeah. Yeah. I've never yeah. been in one, but I've like been right. the next one. I, I literally, I literally got up into one. Mm-hmm. That's all I did is I took a step into one and I was like, I'm not going to, I can't do this. Not gonna do it. They're yeah. so cramped, and I think, <clears throat> I think they actually kind of portrayed that pretty well. I don't know how the fuck they got the film crew in there, uh, uh, because it's well, so. I'm pretty, cramped. I'm pretty sure it was a set, probably designed. Well, yeah, probably redesigned and set for for certain things. Because my 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 
I, I should have looked at some behind the scenes, but I think there were sections of the plane that were cut out and then backed by green screen. Oh, okay. It's like they have okay. they, um, they did a uh, hunt for Red October. Well, I was time. I was gonna say I think it was kind of the same thing what they did for Dust Boat, where it's like they have this set that they can. I mean, the, the set for Dust Boat though was like they could actually get in there and move around, but it was you know as accurate as it could be. But they could like pull it apart and shit like that. So that's probably what they did for this because it was, they did have like some panning shots and everything like, you know, and it's like a B-17 is tiny. Like they're, it's so cramped in there. And yeah, so that was impressive. But they also, I think they conveyed it the best they possibly could as far as the cramped conditions. I did like that a lot because yeah, the guys, like when the one guy gets hit, it's like, well, we can't just jump over him. We have to like get up here and spider monkey around him and get in the fuselage and like go forward or whatever. And the the co-pilot and et cetera, et cetera. That was really cool. But um, also, I don't know the actual... I mean, I, I know the general basis of the story. I get that. Like, it was a true... It was based on a true story. Um, but, like, I don't know that much about it to be able to judge, like, the uniforms, uh, the context, and all that shit. Um, so, overall, I thought it was actually okay. Um, yeah. That's my opening statement. Nate. I like Brian to go. Okay. I want to hear what he says. Uh-oh. Seven. That you weren't expecting that, asshole. <laughs> no, um, no, it was not. Just give your give his rating and that's it. The rating for the <laughs> very first time, yeah. So. Oh, that's your rating? No, he's joking. <laughs> he's joking. He's oh. joking. Go. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? Okay, never mind. Day. You got me, Brian. You got me. Yeah, well. <laughs> so. Okay, you got me. Uh, let's see. This is probably the third time I've seen this movie. I have a funny story about it that I'll, I'll mention later on from a buddy of mine. Um, but, uh, no, it's a very interesting movie. Um, it was made at a very interesting time, the late eighties, early nineties. It, it's really the last of its type of war movie. It's really a 1960s movie, but it's made in 1990. Yeah, you know, because I can see that what you mean. that nineteen the early nineties period is very pivotal for movie making for a lot of reasons, and that I didn't really realize till a few years ago. Um, but you know, it's like Jurassic Park would have looked like this <laughs> if it wasn't for certain things. You know, this this movie uses a lot of old school technology to get things done, and it works really well for it. But it does date it because you know fourth. Four or five years later, digital really started to be integrated into technology, into films, and just you know blows everyone away. Um, so it's a very interesting film. You know, it's the last of its type of movies, and it does a really good job at doing that, um, and just taking, um, just looking at it as a whole, it's just a very good movie. Um, it's structured really well. It's you know, it's a it's a true story. Yes, the dialogue at times is, you know, dated and annoying. Um, again, you know, it's, that's just a late 80s film, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, in my opinion, it really holds the standard for bombing movies. Um, or for at least, you know, multiple engine bombing mission films. There's not many that have been made. You know, there's a lot that were made during the war for morale reasons. There was a lot that were made in the 60s and the 50s. And then not really many until this. And then it's funny because we're really on the verge of another series that talks about um you know the fight over europe uh with is it the mighty eighth yeah i believe 
yep. that's coming out. Um, they shot it you know, over COVID and everything in England. And um, so that's going to be interesting to see their modern portrayal of it. But um, no, it's a, it's a very interesting movie. Um, and it's one that I, I don't look at with trepidation. I'm just like, oh, it's Memphis Bell. You know, it's not like Passchendaele. Oh, fuck no. It's like, okay, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be a movie. It's going to be an experience, you know. Um, that being said, though, there are models get, that get split in half and float in the air for a little bit. Yeah, and, yeah when the tail it, it, gets and, chopped off. Yeah, yeah and, and again, it's, it, it's, it's a 1960s war movie that's made with really good cameras in 1990. Um, yeah. Nate, what do you think? And also, do you, randomly, I have connections through marriage to the RAF during the war, and my grandfather's, or sorry, my father's, like, uh, landlord or something growing up was a bomber mechanic during the war and used to say how drunk everyone would get when the pilots would go like bomb Europe. I was out of curiosity because we seem to have a lot of connections to the past with the same things. Do you have any connections yeah. to Europe? The air no, war? Or? No. Everyone is uh both sides of my family were Pacific Navy. Okay. Um and then I have a relative who worked on the Manhattan Project. I don't know if uh he was like my great uncle. Um, I can't remember if there's anyone on the other side. I don't think so. I might have something somewhere through like a, a cousin family or whatever that might. I think I remember it being something, but I don't know any details. So to answer your question, my, no, I, uh, most of my stuff's all Pacific side. Just before I forget, my other my in grandmother. All three, in all three areas, they're Pacific my, side. <laughs> my grandmother grew up in Vienna during the war, and she lost her house to the bombings. And, the, you know, the funny thing about her, she was a teenager at the time, is that she always blamed the Americans and she lost her house during the night. And I told her in her 80s, it's like, oh, no, no, the British bombed during the night and the Americans bombed during the day. She goes, really? I always thought it was the Americans. <laughs> this is kind of funny, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I had no idea. It's, a, it's always cool. No it's idea. always cool to, like, talk to somebody that was in Vietnam, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Fun joke, haha, because a lot of people... Okay, it probably fell flat. I, like I Vienna, Vietnam, haha. Yeah. Yes. The um Australia, Austria. DD do the same thing. Um, yeah. Um, Has anyone ever made that mistake? <laughs> I can. <laughs> I guess to launch launch into my end just real quick. Um, I just finished this fucking movie. Um, I liked it. Um, I think I share mm -hmm. a lot of the same opinions of all three of you. That's why I want you all to go first because I kind of hurriedly kind of put it on two by and was watching the end of it um but mm -hmm. uh no the 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 I, I i liked it overall i was expecting really horrible shit uh i was expecting a coked out billy zane and you know just all this other stuff with it toupee yeah yeah and that mustache yeah. that tickles tickles women um <laughs> it's you know, better it, than this fucking thing though <laughs> <laughs> better than the than the inverted inverse parted red yeah. sea <laughs> <laughs> oh brian jesus christ um Oof. so anyway, i'm gonna launch into it but um but no i mean um i uh i liked it a lot um i think i i i definitely uh agree with mike a about some of the writing um mainly the dialogue but it wasn't horrible i've we've we have experienced worse so oh god yeah um and it's dated um i agree with you know 
Mike B and, and some of the points he made. I also agree the fact that I'm not very particularly knowledgeable in this field other than just interests that die, take me down a rabbit hole. Um, one thing I and I'll finish I'll, I'll finish off Brian's what I agree with Brian as well. I also agree with the effects. It's like a 60s, 70s movie in an 80s kind of thing. Um, but it's not terrible. Yeah, the plane floating in midair, not showing any kind of going down, at least the first shot. But the second, but the second shot where it actually is going down and that matte painting with the cloud, like the kind of, as it going through the cloud and all that kind of stuff, I actually really liked that. Um, the floating and kind of tumbling in air looked cheesy. The only way you could have probably the only way you can make the, the only the only way I think you can make that better is if you had some depth to it, so it actually was going away and not just floating in space. But I understand the reasoning behind it. Shock and all. Um, but no, I, I liked it a lot. I liked all the fifties in it. Holy crap, love that. Actually, functioning fifties. The NM twos, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the NM twos. Like, you got to you got to bring some attention to that. Like that's pretty. The fire sweet. rate was beautiful. And all the, turrets the, and and the tracers and all that kind of stuff and and the shooting. Oh, I fucked up. There's my cell phone. Hi everyone. I make it keeping. Hi here. mom. Hi mom. Oh. Um. Rebecca, I gotta think of this. That's fine. Um, I'm listening. The one thing I do, I do want to, I'm going to put a link in here. Um, and I don't remember, did they show um, what it was like in the bolt? Did they show how it was getting into that? How cramped it was? I can't remember. Did they like ever emphasize that? Because that's something I feel like people don't ever emphasize in movies. I want you guys to click on this link here and I want you to see this diagram of both of the two types so, of turret that are in there. Uh, that's something I want to touch on a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm I, done with my I, I with, with my launching in, so we can jump in. Oh, I'll jump into it. Okay, I have been in a B-17, a B-24. I've flown in a B-25. I've been all throughout a B-25. I've been in TBMs. I've been in. Dauntlesses. I've only been in a B-17, and um, it was very briefly. I've been. In, what else have I been in? I, I've been lucky enough to be in a lot of World War II planes, in my opinion. And also, I will say that I'm six two, but I'm very thin. Um, B-17. A B-17 is, like, fucking awesome. It's super spacious. It's, like, the biggest of all of them. A 24 is actually a little bigger, but a 24 feels a bit more cramped for some reason. Um, more shit in it, probably. Yeah, but yeah. A 25, it's impossible to get from the front to the back once you take off. Because there's literally, like, a tunnel you have to get through. That was mm -hmm. the one scene I did like in Pearl Harbor. Where they have to pass the Avgas up. Yeah, I, and, like, I'm there's sorry. A hold on, tunnel. hold on. Wait, my mic, my mic. Like, you said what movie that we don't ever mention in this fucking podcast? <laughs> uh, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, that film we don't ever mention from <laughs> 2001. But uh, it, it's it's a good scene because it shows you how small that that tunnel is to crawl over the Bombay in a 25. Right. Um, no, 17s are pretty spacious, even with all the things you have to wear, the sheepskin and all that bullshit. You know, they're pretty interesting. Um. And they're really amazing bombers. Oh, my God. If you ever get the chance to see them one fly or be around it, there's not many left in the world, unfortunately. Um, the museum that I am a part of or have been part of in the past, the Collings Foundation, we lost our B-17 to an accident, and the pilot, and there was a – they were killed, basically. They crashed. Uh, they took off. That and was an engine problem. That wasn't that was, the – that was the one from, like, what, seven or eight years ago? Yeah, it was – I okay. knew I knew the pilot and some of those people uh, not damn. well, but yeah, right. crashed in my state at Hartford. It was the nine oh nine. So there's oh, less one, yeah. there's less and less every year. You know. Um it's good every five years I think one seventeen or one World War Two plane goes down. And you know, so if you ever get a chance because there's not 
many left, definitely go see a multi-engine World War II plane or a single engine. It's just awesome. I had a really cool opportunity a few years ago on the 75th to see the C-47s take off. There were 15 of them, I believe, that were going over to uh, Normandy for the 75th. And they formed up in sticks. It was three, five flights of three. And that was basically, I think, two battalions of paratroopers. And it was fucking really insane to hear it and see it and experience it. It was really cool. But yeah, so if anybody ever gets a chance that's listening to this to go see World War II planes that are still flying, definitely see it because it's, it's an experience. Um, but no, 17s are, in my experience, very spacious. Now, that's not to say that the turrets and the ball turret is fucking horrible. Holy shit, you know. That's one. And the ball thing. turret, like, they kind of, like, I was hearing you before I was, you know, out of range of the good microphone. Um, they did actually show that. Of, like, him getting in there and how it's, like, mm-hmm. very short the, guy. And, I, like, can't, I can't remember. I just remember. Yeah, they actually showed remember, him, like, getting like, in there. And right. he was like, fuck, you know, like. Okay, I'm getting in here. All right, and I, it's, I do um, know they show between his legs. They actually show like like the camera angle when he's shooting is always kind of like in that position. <clears> but I, I, I want people to look up B-17 ball turrets, and I want you to fucking see how unbelievable it is. Well, like, the one that I saw, like I didn't get into it. Of course, I literally, I, I literally would not physically. I don't fit even think I could physically fit in one. And no, that, and that's I, not because I'm like turbo. I mean, I am dad bod now, but even when I was like, no, no, no. If, if you were in 20s, shape, it doesn't matter. Do it. You're just too yeah. tall. Like your, your body, cause you have to curve your body. You have to sit there with your legs up against the fucking, the, I mean, my the man stirrups. tits up against the glass don't help either, but you no, know, no, no. Nate, even say, <laughs> say you're in macho man shape. You're good like to go. Model B porno. You're too tall. That's the problem is like, yeah. it's like, it's like in a tank. It's easier if you're shorter. Doesn't mean you can't do it, but it's just easier and right. it's more comfortable if you're shorter, right? Right. And I looked at a ball turret on the B-17 from the outside, and I'm like, there's no fucking way. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I was like... I don't know how they, in the world they fucking They would it. take off in the planes, and then they wouldn't get in them usually until they went over the shit canal, as the Germans call exactly. it. Exactly, yep. The, the channel. Yeah. And then you test your guns and everything. Oh, I just remembered. Yep. My wife's, I did like that my, part too, but yeah. My wife's family flew bombers. See? That's that's what it was. Mm-hmm. My wife's family flew. I can't. Re- he was um, he was huge, dude, and he was a ball turret gunner. Oh wow, he, he was massive. I, I I'll have to take a look at it. Again, we usually have relatives that fought near each other. I just so. remembered that she just found that out like like a couple months ago, and I was shocked how big the dude was. It's massive. It's insane <laughs> though. You know, it's like bomber tactics are interesting because it took a long time for armies to realize about mass tactics you know before the war you know there was all these theories about what what air forces could do and what bombing could do and and, you know different armies did different things for example the germans went towards dive bombing precision bombing via diving while the american air force or the army at the time part of it they went for precision bombing in quotes I can drop this bomb into a pickle barrel from 10,000 feet. You know you can't. Uh, that was the difference, you know. And really, in the beginning of the war, the precision bombing, countries like America and Great Britain, you know, we thought that these planes were quote-unquote fortresses and could do anything. I mean, there was many times in the Pacific that they would send B-17 wings against Japanese fleets, and they would miss all their bombs, and they would report the whole fleet sunk. Like, they, you know. Yeah. The yep. Air Forces yep. can't fathom. There's a very early story from the Battle of Midway came out and was 
put it around the whole country saying that the Air Force sunk the Japanese Navy at Midway. Like, they didn't. And that was literally like a bit of misinformation news, whatever. But um, it's like a lot of ships, but not the entire Japanese yeah. Navy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and, like, and the British yeah. found out early on in Europe that daylight bombing is very, very costly. Because just because you could see the target means they could see you. So that's why they went to night bombing, because they couldn't sustain the losses. Um, but America, we decided to, or the United States, we decided to, you know, do daylight bombing because it was better for our pilots because we were more accurate. And because we had this bomb site that you can't use at night. You can only use it during the day. Um, and funny fact, a lot of times only one plane in those formations would actually have a bomb site. And everybody else would release on command. Just go on. Yeah, okay. So if the first plane yeah. that you're going, because they were worried about losing the site and the technology and everything. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. the, the bomb sites are crazy. Our museum that I was part of uh, as a kid, we had one. And it was really cool. And it was all wired to explode and everything. It was very interesting. The Germans did capture a few because, you know, a lot of forts or the B-17s and 24s went down over Europe. Um but yeah, so a lot of the missions, they literally would just have one or two bombers would actually have a site and everybody else would follow it. So if you lose that plane on the way, whoops, <laughs> you know, like figure it out, you know. Um, but uh, no, so it took a long time for us to realize it's not smart to send undefended wings over targets that you first off you need little friends as they were called later on huge fighters i love the fact and, that they actually said that in this yep, film they're very very cool very legit yep. and second off you need you know tactics where you can use all the guns effectively against the target and that's where these box formations came into effect and mm -hmm. you know there's some great scenes um where basically it shows how it's not the one big attack that kills everyone it's the attrition you know, it's the little yeah. ebb and flow of the flight that gets you. Like, for example, when I think it's C Cup, um, when they get their navigator and their bombardier shot out from the front of their plane and they fall out of formation, the one tail gunner goes, the boogeyman's going to get you. It's like, yeah, you know, these these lone planes, it was incredibly rare and incredibly hard for them to make it back home because they were just, you know, 10 guys in a, in a 400 plane trying to survive. Like, imagine if just a, a C-47 just, like, gets damaged and just like, oh, we're going to make a run for home, guys, to Canada, and then just gets shot down, you know? like. What well, also, I, I do want to point out that also, like, the mission that they were flying, because um, they were flying to Bremen, which is a very northern, very close city to the UK, right? It's a port city. It's it's near Hamburg. It's It's on the river. And it's it's not that far, so this whole this whole operation was okay two and a half hours back, but it's it's not that far of a flight. They're not they're not going to Berlin. They're not going to to, to Munich. They're not going to you know all these other big cities. You know they're not, they're not going to the the Ruhr Valley, right? Right. This is a short flight because this is forty three early forty three, and so it's like. That was portrayed very well because there wasn't the entire German fucking Luftwaffe swarming this formation of bombers. There was a few fighters that they sent up. There was some flak. Okay, yes. But it was also a very short trip. That's the thing is like in the film, like if you know geography, I'm not, not trying to be a condescending ass, but I'm just saying like it's, it's a very short trip there and back. 
And there was that much damage sustained on both sides on this very short trip. And it's like, huh? Typically, um, I think an average P-17 mission would be between 8 and 12 hours. And it wasn't the flight that was that took all your time. Like the, It wasn't the A to B that took all your time. It was like two hours of formation flying. So you take off and then you corkscrew. And you wait for everyone to get in the box. And then you fly over the channel. And then, you know. And the pre-flight getting delayed like they showed well, in this film. Getting yeah. delayed constantly. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's where you lost all the time. You know, A to B, I mean, you know. What was it? Uh, London to Paris, you know. Isn't, isn't that crazy? It's only a few hours. And something that's cool that's came up in my research for this is that. So B-17 really. Its usual cruising altitude is 150 miles an hour. Which. Seems so slow. Altitude or speed? Sorry, speed. 150 miles an hour. That's really slow, yeah. Yep. Because it's slow. the scene yep. in the movie where they, like, we're going to, you know, they do the dive to put the uh, fire out in the engine. And uh, they're like, we're going 275 or above max. And I'm like, well, that's, that's so low. And it's like, well, it makes sense when you're 100 miles an hour over your usual speed. You know, mm-hmm. and, and the way that a bomber is built, there's so much yeah. strain and stress. It's like you're fucking flying a, a middle school at the time, you know, <laughs> like fucking. Yeah, well, no, it's it's, it's a huge, it's a huge, yeah, it's a huge piece of equipment. Yeah, this movie's 1990, by the way. Just, just to refresh yeah, everyone. It, sh- it shot it. I saw this um, cool behind the scenes thing, and they interviewed um, the daughter of the. So this is based off of an original wartime um, documentary or short documentary called uh, Memphis Bell, which is about the first. 8th Air Force B-17 Memphis Bell to complete 25 missions over Europe, combat missions. And that number eventually was changed to 35 a year later because they redid the right. combat math. Oh, fuck that word. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah. what do you call it? Um, but it was funny. They interviewed William Wyler's daughter. who, And William Wyler, the guy that shot it, he was a famous Hollywood director. And I forget what really he made. Um before the war that made him famous. I think he was a Jewish director or European that went to America. Michael D. Do you know or say it again? What? William Wyler. Yeah, I know the name. Yeah. This, what made him famous? I, I know. know that he was famous before the. I'm gonna look it up real fast. Yeah. I know the Jamie. name. Jamie. Yeah. yeah. Jamie, look it up. Jamie. Jamie, look it up. Jamie, look it up. But Jamie. Michael, look it up. Jamie's better half, Michael. But, uh. <laughs> yeah. Um. It was funny, though. Long story short, she was being interviewed. She's like, well, my father shot the original about 45 years ago. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, it's late 80s, you know? So. Yeah, I got about halfway through that video that you sent. And then we, yeah. I was like, oh, shit, we have to do this. Okay. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the guy who did, um, he he directed uh, Ben-Hur. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. he did? Yeah. I think he I mean, he went deaf during the war. He also directed uh, Hell's Heroes, um, Best Years he of our, he... Best Years of Our Lives. Yeah, a lot of yes. that stuff. Yeah, I want to I want to bring that up in a little bit. I yeah, think he, didn't he do Ninja Tishka or is that? I think it might be Steve. Uh, I don't know about that one. Um, but yeah, now that now that uh, yeah, I'm, I know this guy. Yep. Yeah, she was a uh, or he was an interesting director. But anyway, he was famous and he ended up making this in 1943, and. Um, in the 80s, I guess, somebody ended up seeing it and was like, that that's, that's structured like a movie. That would be a great idea for a movie. And then they ended up turning right. the original into a film. And um, one cool thing they mentioned is that they said they had a lot of trouble because they said it's 10 guys in a tube. 
you know? So it's just how do you keep Ten that? guys in a tube. Ten guys in a tube, you know? Yeah, tube. It's like there fucking I'm working at Con Edison down in Queens, you know, but I'm not in a sewer. I'm fucking in the sky. It's like but, it's like know. me when you said you told me to, to repeat post office, so. Post. Post, post. office. Post. It's the post office. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> it's the post office. <laughs> um, Nathan, can what? you hand me that hoagie? Hoagie. Hogan. Post office. No, it's just... Um, What's your favorite 1960s TV show about prisoners of war? <laughs> Hogan's Heroes. Hogan's Not Heroes. A, My fav- what the big What's deal your is, favorite brother? wrestler? Hulk Hogan. Yeah. 1950s um, Western Disney star. <laughs> <laughs> Hop along. Brian's just, Brian's just fucking going for the throat. The um, the Hobart. Yeah. The one thing. The one thing I I did want to say was. Um, Howard Hughes. H- how much <laughs> is how much you? How much do you think was practical, and how much do you think like actual shooting B seventeens, and how much do you think was actually models? Oh, I think you, that the- you can tell. You can tell a majority of the Im- obviously some of the impacts and stuff, but I think they actually flew a lot of this stuff. Excuse yeah. me, I ran out of breath there on my sentence. Live. <coughs> I think they split a real B seventeen and a half. I mean, that definitely. Well, obviously, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. an original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Completely yeah. restored and everything. Just like yeah. in, just like in the movie in an, in an app. Fuck! Why can't I say the word? Uh, the USS in an Indianapolis. Indianapolis. I kept yeah. wanting to say in, 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 in So yeah, it, I, yeah. I have a really funny story about boat. this, but I feel like I've talked forever, so I'll shut up for two minutes and then I'll tell my funny stories. <laughs> Well, so, let's let Michael talk for a bit, and then you can go back on your fucking tirade. It's, just, it's your it's your turn to do what Sorry, I do. Sorry, I'm a, yeah I'm, on the podcast. I, I, had co- I had I downed a lot of coffee at a meeting earlier, and uh, now it's all coming off. And of then me. now I got a shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I in terms of like the um, the effects, because that was the stuff I was most impressed with in the movie was a lot of the effects and all that stuff. Um, as mm-hmm. far as like you know, what are the, the other aviation movies we've done? Fucking Flyboys and and Midway, and this blows it out of the water in terms of yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? I was waiting for the flare gun to turn into a Flyboy ending. So, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah. right, but like, or like you know, a, a movie that's kind of has a similar setup um, or similar scenes as this is uh, we haven't done it yet uh, is uh, Unbroken. And uh, oh yes. yeah, and okay. I, that man, that Japanese man, is so fucking weird looking. <laughs> and I don't, and I, and I mean that in the, like the nicest way. I don't know what he just creeps me out. I think that was the. Intention. I don't know what it is. That, just, that was actually. Did you guys like really quick on a quick note? We're not going to spoil any scores or anything, but like the Germans lost the war. <laughs> did you guys not enjoy that movie or the Unbroken? Uh, it was okay. yeah, Unbroken. Like, was, okay, it was okay. <laughs> And then, yeah, I'm aware, Brian. German oh, lost sorry. the war. I don't know why they caught Spoiler. me so off guard. That wait, was funny. Wait a second. Wait a second. They overstretched themselves after they bombed Pearl Harbor. So anyway. no, Brian. Brian, they used horses. Obviously, that's why they lost. Okay. It don't was you a, read Facebook. It post? was a sharp spear with a brittle blade. <laughs> <laughs> the German. Okay, army. clown penis farts. <laughs> like let's uh, let's okay. The East so Coast unbroken causing was, mischief. Is it okay? Like, are we gonna do that? Or I think so. Eventually, I because like no, I'm, sorry, I'm talking about the I'm talking about the flight scenes. So, so what, the no. reason why I bring that up is because when I watched Mike Unbroken, B is definitely the guard from Ophon too. No. no, no. The reason why I brought it up is because the, when I was watching the scene in Unbroken, like this is just like digital shit, and uh, I just I can't mm-hmm. like 
take these fluorescent muzzle flashes creating light on everybody you know and shit like yes. that it's so bad like but in this when like the guns are shooting like you, you can see, like and you can see the, the the shells pouring out of them and everything like that like fuck that looks real you know well, it's also it's also like every third or fourth shot you get a muzzle flash. You get, yeah, like, yeah, it's not every realistic. bullet. Yeah, it's not every bullet. Right, and it's like yeah. The one the one thing I noticed, and I and I because I have it up here, I I have it up here just to like review some of the things I was thinking about. But like one of the things that I was look, I really saw the model the 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 live shots when they're actually flying the planes. They are CGing tracers and and shooting. Oh, which which is what are you talking about? Uh, so like so like if if you have the movie up if if you if you we're talking about Memphis Bell still right yeah I'm I'm okay. talking about Memphis Bell uh, yeah we're, we're off we're off on it broken. was yep. it was uh, minute fifty five thirty one if you take a look at that shot um that's all CG in terms of the hits and the flashing and the and the, mm, the yeah then but then this the engine hit where they're just releasing a bunch of stuff out of it like to simulate a hit and it ver- veering off to the left. Like that's all live. Yeah. It's just, it's a real B 17 flying and doing all that stuff. It's just the CG of the, of the impacts and the um, flashing is all, even, is all even that. so it looks, but that doesn't bother me. That, that's, that's the thing. Even so it looks pretty damn good. I love when they have like it, the, the shots. It looks real. That's right. what I'm trying to say. I, I so, love yeah. when they have the shots where you can see the tracers going either away or two, and they're doing that zigzag thing. Like, I agree. That looks yeah. really cool. And like movies such as, unbroken where they just digitize the fuck out of it or like fury which is like flat of tracer porn they don't do that it's like you know (laughs) that's what it looks like it does that like zigzag shit you know i mean it doesn't act it doesn't actually zigzag but it looks like that when it's photographed yeah it's not the rebels and the alliance having a field battle yeah exactly yeah Yeah. with this one too is like they don't always hit the fucking planes that are attacking them and like i like that because that's literally how it was it's like, okay, I can I can try and lead it, but I'm also dealing with so many things like they show what the crew is dealing with, like mental things, just mind fucks, and then also physical things like, okay, maybe I'm not getting enough oxygen, or I'm not, you know, whatever. Okay, oh, I can't move because I'm, I'm slipping on fucking brass. Like, okay, that, that's really realistic. And like, because in most movies, yeah, Give me a second, Nate. No, it's fine. Then, just keep going. I'm just holding my hand. I um, but like in in most movies, they're like, oh god, that motherfucker! Right. You know, it's like, no, you're not always gonna get a help. You're not always gonna be hitting a fighter with your first five round burst. Like it's not the way it worked in real in real life. So yeah, Nate. Uh, well, like one of the things that I thought was um very interesting in this in the fact is that you know. The oh my god, did it get out of my head already? Holy fuck! Probably. God damn. Just rolled out. Oh, what the fuck was it? It like literally, I was halfway through it and it just disappeared out of my brain. What the? Fuck? So we're talking about the guys um, not hitting every. Thank you, single thank you, thank you. It, it, okay. it, I, yep. I jump started. So, so the, yep. the the you had mentioned about like you know random stuff happening, and mm-hmm. I, I think this movie did a really good job of 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 just yes. throwing in like wild herrings like randomly. And not just, just like, random shit, yeah. and not just like you know things that are not uh, of the time of, of of the situation. It was a lot of things of the situation. And one of the things that really caught me off guard was the oil exploding in the front, in the front, in the front cockpit. Whatever that huge just explosion was. No, it was the plate of soup. Oil. 
Was it tomato soup? Oh, where, yeah. where it goes bam, uh, and they're like, who got hit? Who got hit? Oh, is that, that what yeah. it was? Okay. I was I was multitasking thermos, today, yeah. so I wasn't sure if it was no, like oil So it hit or his thermos yeah. because he was he was saying, hey, to tomato soup. Right. Oh, that's right. I mean, that's right. Tomato, that's right. Sorry, yeah. that was it. Yes, and so yes, he yes, set it, was it down, yeah. and then around went through there, and it just it looked like blood. And they're like, I thought that are was. You hit? Are you hit? Are you hit? I, like, I thought that was so cool, and then yeah, some people might absolutely. think that's corny and, and and odd, but I I genuinely like stuff like that where it, it could be real, but it's absolutely. not unreal. Well, you it know, could be expected, but not that unexpected. Like I like mm-hmm. that. I like their like their reaction to that because I mean. Imagine the sight of that, that much, like, in their minds, that's blood. Like, that much, you know, it's like... Yeah. Am I hit? Yeah. Am I hit? Are you hit? Are, like, like, and they're, they're, I, I did like that exchange a lot, because they're like, oh, I'm okay, I think I'm okay, are you okay? And, like, they're just both panicking. Right. You gotta fly the fucking plane! <laughs> yeah. How about that? There, Information. There, was, there so. was a comment on yeah. one of the Facebook, or one of the uh, YouTube videos for that, uh, with the guys, like, when I saw that in the theater, everybody fucking gasped. Like, fucking huge shock, you know? Yeah. Because think mm-hmm. about it, you know? It's like, that's a huge shock and awe. Like, fuck, carrot and the stick. <laughs> you, but it's, it, I actually thought that was a really good touch, like, mm-hmm. to be honest. It's like, yeah, he's got a thermos of fucking tomato soup, okay? Was good there, for you. Was there anything in the pro, in the set, Brian? Because you, you've obviously been around these planes a lot more than <clears> I have. Was there anything that screamed that looked like it was not correct? No, everything looked right. The biggest thing with these planes is that a lot of them have been adapted from modern controls. So they'll have, like, GPSs yeah. and shit inlaid into the actual original, um, like, uh, control panel and everything, or dashboards. But no, everything looked good. Um, it was great. I loved the one scene where he goes to the back of the plane, and he brings the oxygen with him. I thought it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how, you know, again, your actions always have an inverse or opposite effect. So when the same same scene where the guy shoots down the plane, and it fucking you know takes out the other one, um, no, it was great. Like you're saying with all the sh- the, the shell casings and the brass. Like, what I love about this film is the attrition, you know, and how it just slowly slowly gets to you. There's really nothing else out there like that. Everything else is like, like the Dam Busters is a really good movie from the '60s about bombing and stuff. But it's like we got the dam, you know. It's none of this like long slog it's like a marathon in the sky in a way and by the way you don't have a medic and you have fucking a bandage and some morphine if anything happens that's the most insane thing when you really think about it yes these flyers they did have you know bunks to sleep in at night and generally if they did make 25 missions or get wounded it was within six to six to 12 months like not a lot of times these guys stayed there you know right um the whole time so it's uh yeah, well, also it's, um, it's interesting to go so. to go with what you said is um, we never know in this film if they hit their fucking target. They dropped the bombs; they're gone. But did they hit their target? Did they hit <clears throat> civilian shit? We don't know. I like that a lot because that's literally what carpet bombing is. Is yeah. We'll try to get as close to target as possible, but there might be civilian casualties. And like they mentioned that in the film, like, oh, there's a school here, there's a this and that. And it's like, okay. And then when he finally, when the bombardier finally, you know, gets, and I also like that they actually showed that the bombardier has control of the plane when the pilot, um, 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 shifts the uh, the the switches over. The bombardier is flying the fucking plane. 
like that's that's a very little known fact is like <clears throat> they have a joystick and everything and they are the ones controlling the plane as they're over the target and they're like okay up down left right the pitch the yaw and everything is controlled by the bombardier the pilots are sitting there going please fucking don't fuck this up let's just oh god flack okay all right but the, the bombardier is flying the plane at that point and they actually showed that in this film and i really did appreciate that because that's how it was and all of a sudden okay bombs away bam the switches hit the bombs are gone he goes all right rounds we're empty back to you and then it's back to the fucking pilots and they did that very well in this in this movie, I think, um, of showing that. Are, are there any other movies that are relevant enough to compare with this one that we any of us have seen? I don't personally have seen money in in this field. Brian. Not since the sixties or the forties. Um, Thirty seconds over Tokyo, maybe. Uh, the only thing that gets kind of a gist of it for like a second is the the movie we can't mention. Um, I mean, there's not. No, the other. There's not. Well, yeah, it has a part of the Doolittle. There's not. Yeah, there's not a lot out there like it, and that that's kind of like why it's this is so amazing for what it is, because yeah, the dialogue, yeah, a few other things, whatever. But it's like, well, (laughs) there's nothing like this out there, you know, that's made in the last forty years in color. I mean, again, you can go back to the Second World War, and there's a lot of things. There's a famous British one called Target for Tonight, um, you know, but nothing in the modern era. That's why, you know, I really can't wait to see, um, what the fuck is it called? Uh, the new Tom. Yeah, the Mighty, the Mighty Eight. Eight. Yeah. Yeah. It's be interesting to see how they tackle it. It's probably going to be a lot like you mentioned with Unbroken and all the digital and everything, you know. That's why this is just you, you kind of have funny... to in this age, though, because there's nothing, there's not that much left to use, and that's why I think that what makes this not to cut you off, Brian, but this is what makes this movie special to me. I think is that we it's 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 a rare time when we were able to have all this stuff and being able to use it for Hollywood, and now we can't do that as easily now in this day and age. I was ignorant. I'm a film lover, and I was ignorant to the effect or to the fact that. The early 90s were pivotal for how movies look like when I fell in love with movies. You know, if it wasn't for Jurassic Park and ILM and a few things, all of our 90s classics would look like this in a way because it's it's really good cameras with the best style of animatics at the time, you know, like so it's, it's interesting. It's like. If you've seen Saving Private Ryan, this is another movie. If you've never seen Saving Private Ryan, this is a really interesting movie. If that makes sense, you know, because they're just two different styles of filmmaking, you know, that up to the early 90s. It's like pre-Jurassic Park and post-Jurassic Park are two worlds. And this is the best of that, you know, late era of that. It's a lost world. Yeah. (laughs) Boo. I I, I, do I, it. I know. I agree with you, Brian, in a way. Like smile. Like I <laughs> all of a sudden this camera goes. I up. I I liked I liked the uh the pre boys. <laughs> boys, no gunfights on the pod, okay. 
<laughs> get a gunfight in the pod? No. <laughs> All right. I mean, insist. hold on. Wait. All right. Fine. You ready? All right. Dude, uh, I got to get my so, I got to get something. So, well, no, we're, 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 no, the gun, apparently no gunfights on the podcast, Michael. He said nothing about cockfights, though. Yeah. All right. Hold yeah. on. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> we don't want to. We don't want to see that little fucking worm. No, it's like Chewbacca's button. Anyway, <laughs> uh, oof. <laughs> oof. Anyway, well, at least you're honest. At least you're honest. Is that a slug or a one-eyed monster? Uh, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Not good. The um. So like I I think I think with with all the visuals for this if I could segue <laughs> what from visuals? that let's get back yeah, on what visuals here. not not the Chewbacca button visual now the uh, the it's like the, a baby's ooh. arm holding an apple <laughs> <laughs> the Pringles can what are we um, doing here so the so the the for thing is bottles? That, the thing is that, God damn it the thing that I was trying to say before all that should have kicked off is that I I think I think that it is. It is really well done for the pre, like you said, Brian, the, the pre Jurassic Park, uh, ILM era, and that it's before that massive um, recreation of the digital and practical effect era of movies. Like it, it really does show that that hadn't quite hit. Now, who produced this? Does anyone know off the top of their head who who's got the company for it? Uh, this I, movie? I should have it up here. Yeah, is it Paramount? Yeah. Jamie, or? Jamie, will pull it up. But like, uh, so uh, Warner Brothers. Oh, it's funny because Warner Brothers. Yeah, yeah, Warner Brothers. Yes. Okay, so Warner, so Warner Brothers. Okay, so so, I mean, they're big enough at that point. But oh yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were probably probably the biggest they were. Warner Brothers, In small 20th Century fry. Fox. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Those two. Warner, um, but yeah. Anyway, really my point quick. my my point is is yeah. that I think it's very even though we harp we harped on the visual effects and what could make it better, it is nineteen ninety, probably visually affects nineteen eighty eight, nineteen eighty nine. And we understand of the time period it's placed in, so I'm not going to um, my rating's not gonna really affect or that though that talking yeah. point's not gonna affect my rating really. But it it is very impressive for the time because I've seen bad <laughs> I've seen bad, and the fact that they have a good mix of practical, and I liked how they kept with practical for the most part uh, until like certain bits of this. So that's my point. So to go off your point, I want to supplement that is yes, that's very accurate. But who since then, with all the technology we have, has made a film that's comparable to this? None. There's a you know, really, it, there's a really you know. interesting. Well, to just jump off of that, I think the closest thing we have recently, to my knowledge, is and it's not really a film; it's a documentary um, of a of a documentary called I think it's called The Cold Blue. Has anyone seen that? No, I have. Yeah, heard yeah. of it, but yeah, Bri- I think a- Brian and I are the only ones who've seen it. I really enjoyed it, and it's about film restoration. It's the film restoration of a guy who flew with a camera. Uh, with a bunch of missions and was documenting and they, they colorized it. I think they colorized it or they restored it to 4K. It's the same kind of stuff that um, – oh, is that it? Okay, oh, that's well, cool. I was just going to say, so in my um, research for the documentary you're working on, uh, I'm reading all these combat uh, cameraman memoirs, and one I came across was this one called Rebels the Real. It's an okay one, but the guy, he, was, uh, he filmed a lot of the B-roll for this movie on B-17s. 
and he literally would go on, on B-17 missions over Europe and just shoot shit so they can get, you know, bombers blowing up and whatever they needed. I think he ended oh, up so flying he, he's on, responsible like, for a lot of the, the films that we he see. He just like went, the, the... yeah, so he went on missions with a camera and random B-17s and just took shots. And one of the camera huh. teams that was doing it was shot down over Europe and killed. Um, the One of the B camera teams that were shooting things for this, for the original, that is. So it was interesting because he was talking about how crazy it was and how they had a lot of trouble shooting it film at those altitudes and how they for this i can go really into it for camera nerds but they used a type of camera where you had to hand load it first and he realized that at that altitude the film was so brittle that it would break the, the emulsion layer and stuff so on the b-17s they had flight they had electrically heated suits that you would wear even in the early part of the war and along the sides of it there's all these electrical outlets like anywhere so you can plug it in for your suit so he found out he made he called it an electrical bucket and he had a bucket that basically had an electrical heater inside of it. And he would put all of his cameras inside of it. And he would plug it in wherever he needed to go. And take the cameras out of this heated bucket that was warm. So it would keep the oil from freezing. And then film. And then put it back into the bucket. And he'd say within two minutes of being outside the bucket, the cameras would freeze. So he literally mm. would just like, oh. oh, that's a cool shot. Put it back. you know. And then later on, he found out that um, they had the gun cameras that they would use were triggered with electricity. So whenever like a pilot would pull the trigger, an actuator would move for the electric machine gun, um, what do you call it, triggers, and it would also trigger the camera as well. So he found out he can get as many gun cameras as possible. So what he did no. is he, he got like 10 of them and would just load them with film and keep them in other electrical buckets. So he would like see some cool shit going on, like some German fighters coming in, then he would just plug it in and play the whole reel. So you're like, oh my God, that's cool. Okay, grab another one like just go through gun cameras <laughs> and just not even worry about reloading them because it was it would take too much time so he, they had to figure out some really cool shit to get the footage for just the b-roll of the original newsreel memphis bell so um i also was just reading into the cold uh blue um it's it's real footage real colorized footage that they restored to 4k um with it's it's uh it was found, it said, rediscovered and miraculously restored raw cutter footage found in the National Archives from the 1944 documentary Memphis Bell, a story of the Flying Fortress direct, uh, directed by legendary director William Wyler. So it's, it's, it's the lost footage or last lost archival footage from, the, from shooting that whole film in 1944. So very interesting. I highly suggest people watch it. I, I thought it was very interesting. And they have a bunch of veteran interviews in there as well of guys from the eighth, so it's a good good watch as well. It's a you know crazy war. People don't people give some of the flyers bad rap because they're like, oh well, my grandfather was casino, which was horrible. But fighting you know in the skies has its own hell, and there were a lot of times where you'd just lose a crew member, you know, or something. Yep. It's like, well, we we lost Jeff over Luxembourg. And then what do you do? You have a replacement for the next 15 missions. And then that guy has 10 more after you go home, you know? Right, exactly. So, like, there's some this crazy shit that happens um, that you just really don't get in any other part of the war. And Yeah, um, it's – well, I mean, it did did continue through. Like, when did they do the whole uh, 25 to 35 missions? uh, Late 44 after D-Day. That changed. So, And sometimes – still imagine that, yeah. So – after you did your 25, you could go home and you were given, you had some options because, you know, you got to a pretty high token. 
one of the, two of the other options I think were one of them was to go train crews stateside. Yep. You know. Yep. And another one was you could get Solo uh, That was one, but there's a third, fourth option. You could get a listed to fighter school, like you could get sent right to fighter school if you wanted to go. Yeah. So a lot of guys that couldn't get into fighter school because it was most of the pilots that went through the American tr- fighting programs, and that's actually something fascinating, by the way. Um, the United States did the best job during the war of training pilots. We trained like 400,000 pilots in three years. The Germans trained 70,000 in six years. Like we were very, very good very early on at creating training stations to make pilots. And we had a ton of them. Um, but most of them, two thirds were always accepted into the multiple engine wings because there were just more multiple engine planes in the military than there were single engine planes. So it was yep. very hard to become a fighter pilot. So one way guys would do it is they would do their 25 as a bomber pilot, and then they would get, you know, basically fast-tracked to be fighter school. And so did that apply to the crew members as well, like the, the non-coms and that everything? That just applied to the pilots. Now, okay. for the, for the okay. crew members, I believe they could also get sent to, um, what do you call it, uh, flight school if they wanted to. But the experience... Experience mechanics were also more important than the pilot, than the crews themselves, yeah, to be honest. Correct. Yep. Because yep. They, they, every day, every night, they would fix the planes that they would use the next day. Like, even they refer to that in the film. You know, like, I'll yep. keep my crews yep. working all night and everything. And just random side bit. That's one thing that people don't realize with the whole war in the Pacific. Was Yes, we did island hopping and we crushed the Japanese. Yes, we destroyed their Japanese military because or their, their air force. Because uh, we had all these different air battles and stuff. But the biggest reason that we fucking destroyed the Japanese air power was because we left all their experienced mechanics rotting in the jungle. All these dudes that were like, there was one guy at Rabal who said that you could give him a spanner and a piece of gum and he could fix any zero that was broken. They, he just rotted away growing fucking food to survive for three years, you know? So it's interesting. It's like the mechanics that they left behind were almost more important than the pilots. Um, well, yeah, exactly, so. because, like, the the plane... <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm watching I'm watching Micah eat a popsicle, and it's the most entertaining thing in my life. Yeah, Nate has an oral <laughs> fixation, so he can't help it. <laughs> Look, when you, when you go left to right like you're licking an envelope, it's very disturbing, okay? I'm going to go popsicles for you down in my basement. <laughs> All you got to do is reach in and grab one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Let me let me just ask you one question here, Michael. Do you that feel popsicle? Lucky? <laughs> no, 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 Nathan. Excuse me. I'm asking the questions here. Michael, how does that popsicle taste? It's it's fucking awesome. Do you understand that popsicle is based and made on the blood of tens of thousands of innocent people and children around the world? And you're enjoying that right now? How does that make you? Let me. Let me. Uh, how, why don't you tell me how that? Well, how that I mean, it, at least they didn't die for no reason. So you know. Well, that's another thing. I guess you were there, weren't you? I guess you were there. Why don't you tell me? Sorry, I'm not as I'm not as uh, so, wise as Jesse so, the Mind Ventura. Yeah. So, so um, right. one thing I was going to add on to that. Also known as the thumb. Do you remember when we? Do you remember when we Excuse went down the rabbit me, hole Brian. of? Go ahead, Nate. Do you remember when we went I'm down done. I swear, I swear I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm Do you done. remember Somewhere when we he's out there in the jungles of Panama finding Don't the predator. Don't fuck with me, Brian. Don't fuck. 
I said I was done. You can't antagonize me. Let me get, let me let me lead us <laughs> off. You, well, I guess I guess Let's I guess you were there in the jungles of Cambodia. <laughs> I guess you were there hunting the predator. When you cover your body yeah. in human excrement. Well, hey, you, wait a minute, Brian. Wait a minute. When you cover the body in human excrement, it, it well, cools down the human temperature by four point no, seven right. degrees. Oh yeah, I guess I guess you were there then. I guess you understand this entire thing, Brian, because. Why don't you tell me how human excrement... He was done, and you started this. <laughs> All this because of a popsicle. Well, why, yeah, well, yeah. Well, well, Brian, why don't you tell me how human excrement uh, negates the signal you can't from infrared imaging? Shit, so it's fine. It's like, yeah. That's classified. So, <laughs> if we remember if we remember a few weeks back when we went into this, orig- we went to talking about one of the actors for The Great Escape. We had talked about finding out that Charles Bronson was part of the the bombardment squadron, the 39th. Um, uh, wasn't the, he a member of the Backstreet Boys? <laughs> he was on the 29th. God damn it, Brian. Brian, let's the, get back the, the on B-29th this shit. The 29th Super Fortress. And I, and, but he flew over, like, Guam and the Pacific Theater. Like, they didn't have – I mean, obviously, they you know were bombing, you know, islands in Japan and the mainland. But, like, what um, – I, I'm I'm just I'm always blown away by like all the people that were within this and actually survived because it's like to me and this might be a naive thing to say it's like when you studied history and the way they show like, the way they say like how many people didn't survive it's like you're always kind of blown away when you find out someone within your life or whatever who actually made it through that stuff because it seemed like it was a very high mortality rate to me and that's what's always perceived to me in the, in the history books and me reading about it and all that kind of stuff. That was a very high mortality. Morta- I can't say the word. And I said it once. Mortality rate. There we go. But like, it, it's always it always makes me. Obviously, I know that's not the case, but it's like I always assume that this job had a high rate of death. And maybe that's because of, you well, know, it it was a lot like um, the U boat war, the war in the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, it was just a lot of combat. And I I also want to mention that it was hellacious from both sides. You know, my grandmother lost her house to the bombings. And there was one time that she was caught up in a strafing um, run. It was a long story, but it was a very bad day. And and she'd happened to get, she called it the worst bombing raid of the war. She got caught up in this fucking thing and got strafed by Mustangs and stuff. People around her got blown apart and shit. Like she's she's very lucky to be alive, and it was hellacious for both sides. And it was mostly civilians and firefighters and you know civilians that really fought the brunt of the aerial war. Yes, you had pilots and you had kids manning flak guns and you had things like that. But most of the targets for these bombing missions, especially later in the war, were city centers, and you know especially bomber Harris's campaigns. I was gonna say Dresden, and, yeah. You know, well, Dresden's the famous one. You know, over the course of three days, they basically, you know, melted the city with incendiaries. Uh, Hamburg was the first famous one. But just to touch anything for the Pacific, the Pacific is crazy because the, the high-level altitude bombing doesn't really hap- start to occur until the fall of 44. And then we're like, oh, what's this fucking thing in between us and the Japs? Huh, this fucking wind thing. We didn't know what the jet stream was. So that's why they started bombing at lower altitudes. That's how we found out the jet stream existed because we were flying into it, and we have you could not do high altitude bombing of Japan of the home islands in Japan. So, so we ended up doing these low level bombings, and they're like, "We'll just bomb them low with incendiaries, and you'll be good to go." 
and the paper infrastructure, whatever, you know, the, the Japanese cities really burned. But more people died in Japan in 1945 from bombings than during any other course of the war or portion of the war. You know, so like th that's the one thing I think people don't get. Like as the war goes on, the bombing operations just ramp up. And I think it's it's March of 1944. The Eighth Air Force is at its biggest and it has 850,000 enlisted and enlisted personnel and officers. It's like 85 percent of a million men are working on bombing and destroying Germany. And that's one of the five or six air forces that existed during the war. There's another one in Italy. That's not to count the British. That's not to later count the tactical air forces the Americans used in, and the allies used in France, in the low countries. Like, you know, it's, it's really fucking insane just how big this air war was. And, and just to, to roll it up, you know, a thousand bomber raid. It's a fucking thousand planes. You know, that's, that's fucking unheard of. You know, like, I think a thousand planes go in and out of LaGuardia or a JFK or a big airport like LAX like a day, you know. And just to think about all those planes going one place at one time, like you hear about on the later in the war with Market Garden, when all the people in Europe saw the C-47 streaming towards, you know, Northern Europe and everything. It's, it's just crazy. Um, and just the last point I'll say, and to bring up your point from earlier, Nate, it was a very costly job. And the early and mid part of the war were the worst. 43 was, was black for the U.S. Air Force and for the 8th Air Force in general. You know, the, the reason that the Germans had so many POW camps was show how effective their anti-aircraft measures were. And the really famous one is the Schweinfurt raid, the ball bearing raids of 1943. I think it was called Black Thursday after the fact. 291 B-17s took off, right? The Germans shot down 77. Jeez. It's like 30% losses. Yeah. At the time, one run, yeah. I think they were making, and remember, it's America right. during the 40s. So I think they were, I think the Ford Rouge plant was making like six B-17s a day at tight. And that's like insane, that's insane. 24 hours. Uh, yeah. That's insane. Wow. Oh, yeah. No, some I was Ford not expecting six. I was expecting like maybe like, like Ford, Ford figured out, Ford figured out how to make a fucking like B-24 in a kit. And they literally would make it, build it, bust it apart, ship it somewhere. They put it together. They'd fly it across the sea, like over the world. It's, that's it's insane. Well, that's, I mean, they, yeah, they do so. stuff like that with tons of vehicles, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. Like you said, yep. the whole thing, but you, you see like Jeeps coming in those boxes and stuff like that, you know? There were t or eight or ten Ford factories during the war. Back in my day, we found a ton of them in the shipping. My, you know, all boxed up in a box, you know, and they, we paid a nickel and a quarter for all these fucking things. You win fucking 15 grand. Oh, oh I no, how about $40,000 for my jalopy piece of shit Jeep found in a fucking box? Fuck you. When we do, when we do Fury, I'll, 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 I'll bring up my. Not traumatized at all, but yeah. I'll bring up my Jeepness. I'm, I'm trying not to bring it up now, but what do you call it? Um, my Jeep was built into a crate originally. At some factories, they literally built them into Jeeps and then put them into crates and because they, they were easier to ship in crates than they were as Jeeps. That was the idea. Um, but, yeah, they crated up everything. It was pretty insane. But, um, no, it's, you know, it's fucking 77 forts, you know, 30% losses. That was, that, was some of the, that was some of the worst missions of the war, and those were the real unsustainable ones. You know, luckily, tactics change and other things change, but you know, there was not we could not afford many Schweinforts, you know, like that. So, Brian, have you ever heard of a Flakturm? 
Mike B, why are you sharing the final level of of Medal of Honor Airborne? Okay, <laughs> fuck you. Ace. It's it's about twenty five percent of what it should. You mean be. the German that real thing should be hundred percent bigger. <laughs> yeah. The German the German flak towers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There were three of them in Berlin. There was one in Vienna. There's, I saw the half of the one that's north. There, there. When I was in Berlin, pairs and there are three positions. So it's like there are technically mm-hmm. there are so like three six. So there are like nine in one area. You know. They had they had ten point twos on top usually in dual batteries mm-hmm. and they had eighty eights and stuff and oh twos it's one twenty eights the um, yeah the, or ten point two centimeters or whatever the one that's the one twenty eight the one that's featured yeah, in the final mission of uh, Medal of Honor Airborne that's kind of the uh, yes. the look that everyone likes so that that's based on the ones that are in Vienna but the other ones don't, don't yes. look like that yeah. yeah they're they're more like square no but like they, yeah they the both, ones in Berlin are square. Yeah. Yep. But here's the thing is the fact they built those fucking things because they were getting hit yeah. so hard constantly well, is, like, insane. The, 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 a lot of people don't know. The, I mean, I guess I, I don't know who knows. But the the reason why they're so huge is because they were meant to house civilians. That's what the – 10,000 yeah. civilians, I believe. Yeah. Or was it something? So that's why, they're, that's why they were built in the first place. And so that, that was the reaction to the constant fucking Allied bombings. It, there's – there was the one famous one at the zoo, the zoo bunker, Berlin. yeah, and that was that comes up a lot during the battle. Everyone, it's everybody trying to get in or out of the zoo bunker, and how fucking crazy and hard it was on the inside. Yo, and God, they're yeah. getting the animals in there during the battle. Okay, just just PSA: if you have not read Cornelius O'Ryan's The Last Battle, stop listening to this podcast. Go to Audible, download it for free. You can try it free for two weeks and listen to that book right it's, now. It's a fucking the, the audiobook's on YouTube it's for so free. <laughs> So yeah. Oh, yeah. it is. Oh yeah. The last battle. It's but, really yeah, good. It's, it's a really good book. Yeah. They can't engage the Russian tanks because the horizon is too low. Mm-hmm. So like the fucking eight, the flak guns on top are useless. Yeah. Because they try. They try. Believe me, they fucking try, but they can't after a point because they're like, sorry, they're too close. They did. like the ten story building can't shoot at them. The skyscrapers useless. They 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 did. They were <laughs> effective as a deterrent though, like you know, to not fly near them. You know. Well, the Russians couldn't. Oh, for playing, yeah. yeah. But the Russians couldn't um, blow them up at all. There's famous footage yeah. that they had the 152 millimeter tractors on the um, like the actual tracks, and they would just just aim them right at the fucking sides of them and just shoot them down the roads. Right. And they all the recoil would throw them down the road and shit, and like they couldn't pierce it at all. So yeah, flak towers are insane. Um, two things. One. Isn't the reason why they pretty much have they have not disappeared from the skyline or anything like that? It's because they're so fucking hard to destroy. Yeah. Because of how <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I mean, they, they, you could you look at them now. It's not like they're in pieces or anything. They're still just as big. I remember yeah. they tried because I remember they tried to destroy one of two that were like next to each there's, other, and they destroyed the first one. And they left the second one up because it was too hard to destroy the first. The, one. Yeah, there's a photo of it where they have like you know as much. TNT packed into it as you could imagine, and like, and it didn't like it. Barely all it is is just it fucking yeah. shrapnel shooting out the windows. That's all. You know, yeah, it's, it's, I think I think you and I remembering the yeah. same thing. Yeah, and then two. Brian had mentioned uh, the zoo bunker. Um, I, I I did a deep dive a few years ago when it happened because there was that alligator called like I think Saturn that died at the Moscow Zoo that was dirt was there during the battle of berlin and the russians took it and they took it back to moscow for their zoo and it's apparently like hitler's alligator oh, that's a nice little anecdote i've never heard that yeah <laughs> yeah i i did a deep dive into that i remembered it because it, it died i think in 2020 and news was slow because we're all stuck in our houses so i remember that was a thing i Nate, deep dived on I, I was wrong so the b24 ford plant 
at Willow Run uh-huh. uh, sampled 650 B24s a month, which means 23.214 per day. So what that's about fuck? That's one B24 an hour. Wow. Holy if shit. If only they could do that with tanks. My favorite statistic from the war is that from 1939 that's to nuts. 1945, sorry, from 1940 to 1945, the German Wehrmacht you know, military, army, whatever you want to call them, made Koopa wagons and had 25,000 Koopa wagons supplied and made for them in five years. In just under four years, the U.S. military contracted Willys and Ford to make Jeeps for them, and they ended up getting 650,000 Jeeps in just under four years, while the Germans got 25,000 Koopa wagons in just mm-hmm. over five. That that doesn't explain the American might for willpower, or for manufacturing ability back in the day, I don't know what does. You know, it's only 40 times the actual original number. <laughs> that's not 40. You know what I mean? That's, but, like 20, no, that, that's, that's, but yeah. that's really cool. That's awesome. Yep. That. So a B, one B24 every hour from one factory. That's nuts. I would not have thought that. So technically, after a little more than three days, the whole Schweinfurt run was was remade. <laughs> and, you know, that's probably like, I'm not sure what the equivalent for the Germans would be. I could look it up, but yeah. And also, guess what? There's fucking, first off, the, the American factories were built under fake cities because we were worried about sabotage and bombing. And not one bomb was dropped on U.S. soil uh, besides the, the Japanese uh, late war shit, you know, with, with the jet stream. But none of our oh, factories those, were oh, bombed. Those balo- oh, those balloon bombs? None of... Or whatever the fuck they were. Production never suffered in the States due to wartime issues of actual war or violence oh, or whatever. Thank you, Pacific and Atlantic Ocean. Yeah, the big buffer. Yeah. But, um, you know, so not... Even if the German production was just like three a day, you know, it's like, well, then you have B-17s, B-24s, and Lancasters showing up, and Mosquitoes, Land- and fighter Caster. bombers. Lancaster. Sorry, you, so. you, it came out again. <laughs> I'm going to say the following term: Hulk Hogan. Hogan. Howard Hughes. Howard. I'll never talk to Hulk Hogan again. He stabbed me in the back. But let's continue. <laughs> you mean you mean you were not? Oh, have you seen Running Man? <laughs> We've talked about this. <laughs> oh, that might be the next one. I will do, do to a make Mike just turn inside out. If he hated Commando, he's going to hate Running Man. And your favorite person is in that movie. I won't I do it. I won't <laughs> do it. I won't wear this. Oh, yeah. he said that? Oh, I yeah. said that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I didn't say that. I never said this that. This is the law of the gladiator. Yeah. <laughs> it's showtime. Yeah. Uh, one of us is in deep trouble. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> Moving on from Running Man. Moving on from Running Man. Um, Why? Do, do we want to jump into... Uh, oh, before we hit IMFDB, Brian, what camera was that? Which one? The uh, well, I remember the one, the one the little guy, the ha- the guy had a handheld one. Um, oh, I don't remember. Plane. It looked like a little tiny little eight mil. So I was just curious if you, since we're in a dive on cameras right now, I can pull. I can. I, I can yeah, pull, pull it up. I can I'll, pull and up the photo. And I'll, I'll yeah, pull it, pull it up, and I'll, I'll say my funny story quickly before I forget. Yeah, so go for it. Yeah, do that. A buddy of mine, um, who originally he was the director of the museum that I started at when I was a kid. Um, in the late '80s, his parents brought him on a trip to England, and he was a super like history nerd, knew about about World War II and stuff. And he was probably 13 at the time, and they were in England, and you know, going around. And they went to Duxford, 
which is where the RAF museum is located. Um, it's on one of the original World War II airfields. And they happen to have set up uh, one of the sets or the main set for Memphis Bell at Duxford. And they had 25 B-17s and they had like 12 P-51s and all this crazy shit there, right? And my buddy who happened to end up there and he was 13, he was like, oh, people, what do they mean this stuff's really rare? There's 25 of them over there, you know? So like for, for a good 10, 20 years, he was just like, oh, these things are a dime a dozen. They're fucking everywhere, you know? You know? And he would tell the story when he was a kid. And then he realized later on, it's like, oh, shit, I was actually on the set of Memphis Bell. And it was a super, <laughs> like every single flying B-17 in Europe was there, yep. like for the shoot. And he, had just, he was a 13-year-old kid going to a museum. He had no idea. So it was just kind of funny. Um, it was just like, oh, they're fucking, they're everywhere. I got P-51s coming out of my ass, you know? Like, <laughs> One can only dream. <laughs> I know, right? So timing um, is everything. Is I, I don't know if there's one that still goes to Reading, but if anyone's looking to get into seeing, uh, that's the only thing Reading Air Show is fucking good for, obviously, because it's an air show. Is you should go see the planes that show up, and it's pretty much they're expensive as fuck because they know what they cost, but it is very very fun to go in and look at the stuff. It's the only time you actually get up close to the stuff anymore. Um, unfortunately, I don't think they do rides anymore since the last accident happened. But um, yeah, it's it's um it's definitely worth trying to go see these planes while you can. Um, it is definitely something that is we're losing as fast as veterans. I feel like uh, I so. think it was four twenty. No, it's three fifty to fly in the back section of a B twenty five. That like, is very old prices. And because last time I, I, I asked say, them, they wanted like six hundred bucks. <laughs> it was fifteen years ago that I did yeah. it. I was I was probably thirteen or fourteen, and it was worth every penny. And I lived near a lake, or at least the airfield that we did on. We were near a lake, and we zoomed over the lake at about fifty feet for a good portion of it. And I was like, I am on the Doolittle raid. We are bombing Tokyo. It was really fucking cool. So, but then again, those good guys that fucking wanted the B seventeen to crash, they were like texting their relatives, like, "Oh, they, they said we're having engine trouble." Then they died. So, it's like at your own risk. It's uh, yeah. But they, yeah, there's only twelve left in the states that are flying, which is crazy. And none of them are combat vets. They're all like you know Coast Guard veterans that were made after the war or something. So. Brian, this is what I'm talking. That's oh, a brownie camera. It's a brown. A what? It's a brownie. A brownie? Okay. Kodak, Kodak brownie box camera. Yeah. That's they the shoot. One. Yeah. The, the camera that they would have used or that they would have had um, is a Kodak Magazine 816, which is a little cassette one yeah. we've talked about in the past. Yeah. Okay. They, they yeah. made the ones, especially for the U.S. Army Air Force, that are marked as such for shooting on bombers. They tried to use early Bell and Howell 16 millimeter cameras, but they it would freeze. Like I was mentioned earlier, I so. think that's what the f- the 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 cold blue footage was recorded on with the cassette ones that you talked about. Yeah, in the electrical yeah, yeah. buckets. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. The um, buckets. So I will pull up uh, IMSDB. Fifty cal, fifty cal, fifty cal, fifty cal. That's all it's gonna be. Fifty cal, fifty cal. Yeah. yeah, the ENM two. Yeah. Fifty it's, cal, fifty cal. It's still really cool though that the fact that you know. They looked really awesome when they were firing. Like, it looked real, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they're super hard to control because they're fucking... I mean, it's a 50 cal that's, like, got the firing rate of uh, 34, an MG34. It's like, holy shit, like... Yeah. Um, all right. So, yeah, you're about right. That's all we got. (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, I've never seen this one at all. Oh, really? 
still have no idea what it is. It looks like a, a giant a, Browning high power, but I'm it not was sure. designed after the First World War as an anti-material machine gun or rifle. First adopted in 1921. Little little fun fact, Brian. What has changed since 1921? Just the charging. Just the charge. Nope. There's the changing for the barrel or something. It's the most nope. recent. Nope. 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 Not nope. a goddamn nope. thing. Nothing to the receiver, just to the actual. Uh, no, it, it, it is part of the receiver. Well, kind of. Not really. Well, just the dovetail for the uh, indirect fire sight. Nope. What? They added a safety. Oh, well. Lame. Yeah, Literally, that's the only fucking change to that fucking weapon. That and changing the wood handles, technically, right? Uh, that's, not, that's, that's not like a, a part this of the This is not the movie function. we can't talk about, Nathan. Those are not broom <laughs> handles. Those are 50 caliber machine guns, okay? Yeah, well, that... Oh, God. Uh, I love the flash hiders on the fucking... On yeah. The end. Dope. Those literally look like PVC pipes. <laughs> Well, though, they're field, they're field made though. Like, honestly, guys would do shit like this. Like the the people that were like the mechanics and shit, they would do shit like this, and the guys would, okay, whatever, we could try it out, uh, try to tack weld it. Most of the uh, the fifty cals you see on planes today, they are all uh, they have no heavy barrels in them. <laughs> they're just empty, because you can see that they're just like tubes. It's interesting. And a lot of these shots actually are models. There's a really cool video online about talking to the models they use for these. Mm-hmm. Um, and they made a lot so of wait, models for the line. So, wait, Brian, you're right. saying that, like, air shows and shit like that, like, they, they won't have guns in them or anything? No, they're all fake. They're yeah, all fake. Yeah. There's no barrels yeah. at all. Yeah. They don't want it. They don't want to mess with the laws because sometimes they go There's, to sometimes they go to Europe. Sometimes they land in right. different states. They just don't want to. Fuck so they just I'll tell, they put like a replica in there, like a rubber prop or something. PVC pipe. Okay. It's like a PVC pipe with a bunch of holes drilled in oh. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, well, you could see it when it's on the ground. I'll tell you a story of probably why they do that. So there's a great Vietnam mem- memoir I have where, long story short, these two guys, they were like R&R, and they were just hanging out, and they get into a really heated firefight, you know, over, I don't know, would you fuck Tina Turner? Who the hell knows? So they got really heated <laughs> and fighting and something, and, and the hel- as this guy gets out of his bunk to go punch this other dude, the helicopter's, like, you know, coming closer and closer and closer, and as they're about to, like, get into a fight, they hear this fucking clunk, shoot. And an M60 barrel falls through the fucking roof and right through the guy's bunk into the floor and just stops. And it's just sticking out of his bunk. And so if he hadn't got out of his bunk, he would have fucking gotten impaled. And it was just a helicopter that, again, the gunner didn't secure the, you know, it right. And they were flying along and timing is everything. So bringing that to an air show, I don't want to kill little Timmy with a 50 cal barrel that wasn't secured because, you know... <laughs> The volunteer for the Confederate Air Force forgot to put the pin oh, but in. A, a, a so, PVC you know. pipe sliding out, and uh, that's okay, yeah. Well, because aerodynamics is going to spin instead of... Yeah, spike, and it's plastic. You know? It can't kill anybody. It's just going to shatter, yes. you know. It's, it, it's going to hit someone's grandfather and, and little Timmy, so... But... Anyway. So that, okay... I love... The- no, no, just for fast, So because uh, now I'm interested in this. Um, so then on these these uh, windows right here, like, what do they put in there? Is it also a PVC pipe? <laughs> Yeah, like wherever you see a fifty cal, usually okay. on, yeah. On a normally, plane, it's, normally it's, it's like normally what they'll have is they'll have like this. Um, I've seen some people they like makeshift like uh, canvas covers over those holes, mm-hmm. and they'll stick the PVC pipe out of it, and that's literally it's it. not a glory hole, Mike. Sorry. <laughs> or they'll have, or they'll have like fully uh, dummy fifties on the doors, and that might be the only time you actually see them is when you see them in the doors. 
they'll actually have full fledged fifty cal dummies with no barrels in them because they have to. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, how fucking cool it would be That's to be seeing seen. that thing go overhead and the guns firing for real. That would be. A, it's pretty. It's know, pretty right. fucking cool that they had these live. Like some, I really, I really do like that. That that was actually some. Alive. Sometimes they were actually used as gunships during the war points, where they would like hover over stuff, like especially the Pacific. Like it would take up Jap patrol boats, and they would just go like this, so they could bring all their guns to bear. So it's kind of like yeah. a pre AC one thirty. In a way, they were puff. Yeah, yeah puff the yeah, magic yeah. dragon. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's right. Puff yeah. The magic dragon. No minigun or forty millimeter grenade launcher, but hey, <laughs> close enough. Yeah. Fifty cal's. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, they did put 75 millimeters in the B-25J by the end of the war. They put the same gun that's in the Sherman. Oh, damn. And that was damn. a convoy killer. They made 25. I've actually been in one. It was made to literally sink Japanese merchantmen. Oh. So. 75 <laughs> is a big fucking big They gun. put a pack 40 in an MEC-62 at one point. That's a great photo. But it's, <laughs> And the one time it got within range to get used, they actually did arm it fly it and when they were going to use it the the air pressure had pushed it back and it was out of battery and they couldn't oh. fire it so some some guy in like a b24 was just like you're not going to believe what just happened this fucking narwhal thing flew out of the sky fucking, <laughs> fucking tried to kill us you know like <laughs> she like look, look at those shots right there like that looks fucking real like that looks good you know yeah yep I think that is. It real. has to, yeah, because like when, but then I yeah. watch shit like Midway, and it looks like I'm look watching a cutscene from a video game. Right. It's just like, why don't they go back to doing yeah. this shit? You know. Also, the fighters would not have been that close together, even <coughs> in, in a in a protective formation. They would have been a lot farther yeah. apart. They that's 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 a you, sin most movies commit. To 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 talk about real stuff, and sin the, the I, shot. I hope this is a quick segue. Do you guys? I know, I know. Dunkirk is a is a, a debatable movie, but I like the live footage of flying in Dunkirk a lot. Yeah, they just again they were very close together, like the Spitfires and shit. Right. Like when you're actually like um, when you go and like and, and read about and like learn about like uh, the fighter escorts or just fighters in general, they wanted to be. Yes, they could still see each other, but like you want to create as much distance as possible, right? And and, and like in movies, it's for cinematic purposes. I was, I, I I was about to say it's like squad moving formation tactics with real exactly. with, with with infantrymen. It's the same fucking problem. Exactly, because sure. in real life, you're this, spread yeah. you're spread pretty fucking far apart on the ground as infantry. Same thing with fighters. Like so, the fighter escorts. <clears throat> that's the one thing that I notice is like even the bombers are pretty close together, but it's for that purpose. But like um, uh, fighters, when they're when they're doing uh, bomber escorts, they're gonna be, yes, they'll be in formation at first. When they're just flying, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, we're in a spot right now where we're gonna probably take contact. So let's just do our thing. They spread apart, and then that's why they get the element of surprise on the enemy, and um, they're not targeted first because if a if, if a fighter squadron of uh, Germans in this case. Is coming, they were also way too close together. Like that whole thing, they would not have been that close together attacking a fucking formation of bombers. They would have been spread out up and down, left and right, and all that shit. They would still be within um, visual distance of each other, hopefully, but they would not have been that close. Like in the whole like going at each other, like that's a video game thing. That's a trope. 
It's no, you're not going to do that. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to try to take the guy's pants down and fucking just well, bam. That's one thing I did like about Nate mentioned Dunkirk. That's one thing I do remember liking about it. Like the scenes with Tom Hardy, where he's like, he's chasing them. And it's like, he's waiting for them to cross into his, you know, to, to go into his line of set. And all of a sudden, yes. And that's, that's like, that's it. You know, it's, it's, uh, Right and yeah and this, this, so yeah okay that's a really good point too because like um we we all know this but I'm talking for the people that are listening to this if you didn't know this fighters and bombers both only had a limited amount of ammunition right and it it's not this they did an okay job in this film of like doing the bursts like the they were a bit long but I guess that could have happened but if a fighter's going literally nose to nose with another fighter. A, they're not going to just go nose to nose with them. They're going to try to fucking do something and get around them. But if that did happen, it's not this, they're both opening up with all their ammo because you've got about on a fighter plane, like a, that's a P-51, which is also not accurate for 1943, but Hey, let's just go forward. Um, there's about, what do you think, Brand? Like 12 seconds, 12 seconds worth of ammo. More than that, like like thirty seconds. On a fighter, yeah, it's more than twelve for sure. I think it depends on the plane and the payload, obviously. But you know, it's so okay. In in real life, these would have been P forty sevens. Like, let's just be honest. In in early forty three, they would have been P forty sevens. P forty sevens are even later. At this point, they would have been Spitfire. I'm sorry, P P forty P. The uh, American planes have been P-40s, right? No, um, not for 43. It would have been... Sp- a lot of American units were outfitted with Spitfires at this point are really early P-51As that don't have the bubble canopies. And then later in, in on... In May of 43? Yes. P-51... American fighter pilots didn't switch over from Spitfires to P-51s until early 1944 in the Mediterranean. So, okay, in May of 43... Really were- early P-51s they would be flying at this point. They're called Razorbacks. P-47s were, came out a little later. Okay, so but P-40s, though, like... P-40s would not be used at this point. They were totally out of the theater. Okay. They so were used in North Africa fires. at all. Yeah, a lot of them are used, used Spitfires and stuff. Okay, but I'm just saying that these are P... P these on, are P-51Ds. Yeah, exactly. Or they, the, or they could be 44. A's because the... The wing structure is the same. The only thing that changed was the canopy. It went from a Razorback to a bubble top. Can you scroll up a little bit, Nate? Just a, a bit on this picture. I think these are Ds that they use in the film, which is fine, but like... Oh, are they bubble tops or are they... Um... I'm pretty sure they're bubble tops. Yeah, because like... they say right there, um, P-47s were extremely rare, especially at this time, because they didn't mm-hmm. have drop tanks and they really weren't prevalent. They're not really prevalent until... Before D-Day, they show up in big numbers, and then after D-Day, and they're basically there all during the whole summer of 44, killing everything. P-47s were a hard sell in a lot of air units. They wanted to stick with yeah, what they yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, So go down a little bit, Nate. Let's look at the caption, um, the little friends. Okay, so P-40s and Spitfires. So you, okay, at this point, they would have been no, most likely using no Spitfires. No P-40s. Spitfires are P-51s. Early P-51s that have Razorbacks. They're A's or B's. They were also used for bombing. In May then, of 43. Yes. I just thought P-51s were a lot later. Like, I they also they had a, a different later. engine. P-51 
P51D bubble tops are, yeah, and that's the plane yeah. you see around D-Day and everything. But no, A's and B's were used heavily during the Operation Torch, North Africa, um, and then Spitfires as well, because that's what we had. P40s yeah, yeah. were kind of obsolete, and we gave them all to the Australians, and they used them to great effect in the Pacific and in uh, North Africa, fucking shit up. So. Huh, interesting. Hispano Suiza. Hispano, yes. The German 20 millimeter was very deadly. So this is on the um, 109. It's, yep. it's uh, standing yeah. in for the ME 109. It's the cannon that goes through the middle of the engine. It's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, yeah, of course, yep. Um, the cylinders actually go around the barrel. And so they had the 8 millimeter, like the 792 millimeter. Um, in the wings. Guns on the wing, but like oh, also and, and the ca- on, on the top of the cowl too, they have two. That yeah, that's how it was. The early 109s had three guns. They had a 20 mil and they had two little the E1s. They had the little uh, eight millimeters and 792s. Mm-hmm. And then later on, they had more guns in the wings. And then underneath, yeah. they the, by the time we get to the Gs and stuff, they had they had gun pods and shit. Yeah. The most effective way to fight bombers, um, they the, the nickname for them was uh, Starflights. Or starship flights because of how high up the altitude was. Yep. Um, that was the German nickname for anti-bombing operations, and they were very deadly. They were even worse for the German fighter pilots than they were for the B-17 crews because the, the the easiest way to attack a B-17 without getting killed, you'd only lose like eighty percent of your fellow wingmen, was head-on. It's the only way to do it because they had the least amount of guns they could bring to bear on you. So literally, you would just do head-on tactics, ramrod, and you know. You wouldn't always so you, come out of it, but... <laughs> so you're explaining how I always die in War Thunder with Sean. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Because I, I always head on with him, and then I crash into him immediately and kill that's, himself. But that's literally the safest way to attack a, a box formation or P-17s. Mm. And so, but, like, the, their, their goal through. as a fighter, your goal is to hit the engines of the bombers. It's not to hit the crew. It's to hit the well, engines, correct? It's Your goal is to hit whatever you can. And the one thing I did well, like about uh, yeah, this is okay. that, like... It's not like this. The, the fighter comes in and like stays on a target and fucking rips him up. It's all opportunity. Yep. So as you're flying through this thing, if you can get a burst into a cockpit or two, or an engine or whatever, you do it. Like the guy yeah, that so killed it, the yeah. the guy that shot the front off of C cup, he what he didn't want to cut shoot the front off of C cup. It was an opportunity that existed and he did it. Right, and so and but like happened. what you're saying is like so the, if the if these planes have 30 seconds of fire on them, each time is three to five seconds and then you if only have a f- jam right well that's the thing too there, there's so many contingencies all, that like all, can happen all all the g-forces and all the temperature changes and all yep, the, exactly everything, you know? but it's like so you have you have literally realistically on average about 10 to 12 seconds that's what i was kind of factoring that number off of like if your guns don't jam and you got one gun firing okay and you can maneuver that shit. It's like you have 30 seconds worth of ammunition if, if everything goes perfectly and swimmingly. And so still, like, your, your, your three to five second burst is like, well, that's a sixth of what I have. I only have six more of those before I have to get the fuck away and land, right? Yep. And so it's not like these video games and, like, the movies where they're just constantly fucking firing. Yeah. So yeah, it's, not, it's, it's uh, they actually portrayed it fairly well in this film. I it's thought. not going to so. be like Django Fett chasing Obi Wan, you know. <laughs> oh, well, I will say this: the, the <laughs> Star Wars yes. too. 
I think I think it's episode three actually has the best rendition because all George Lucas wanted to do was bring World War II dogfights into space with better cameras. That's all he was trying to do. So the third episode of Star Wars, the beginning where they go into the clone battle, like Star Wars ship fight over the over the planet, that's a really good representation of probably what it would have been kind of similarly to drop into a B seventeen formation in a well. It's it's interesting. I mean, um, when George Lucas, uh, when he was editing uh, the very first Star Wars, when they made it, he for uh, rough cuts, he would put in aerial, like actual World War II dogfights in there and say, okay, put in something that looks like this, you know? Yeah, exactly, you know? Um, it explains those shots of in the cabin of it going right. down and up again, like oh, strafe yeah. runs, you know? It's like Red Red Tails tried to do a little bit of that, and it just fails, and it sounds more like a space drama than anything else, and that's I don't want to talk about that movie anymore. So Red Tails, anyway, woo! So, Anyway, <laughs> Tuskegee Airmen. That's what we're I, talking about. I'm more ashamed that I thought of the same thing, but I actually, I didn't want. Every say time it, someone yeah. says that title, that's what I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, M8. All right. Yeah, the, the flare, flare pistol. pistol. Yeah, it's very common, commonly used, even. Yeah. And that's and that. When he shoots the red flare, it means I'm fucking your bitch. <laughs> I'm on my way to fuck your bitch. <laughs> um. So yeah. let's go. Let's yeah. go in. Let's go into final thoughts. Vince McMahon doesn't have <laughs> shit on you, apparently, Brian. Right? Mike anyway. A has just tied the swastika to his forehead, and he's gonna go ram his kamikaze into a B twenty. Well, that's so not true. You... He never said that. <laughs> what? How do you explain? How, how do you explain Building Seven then, Brian? <laughs> if you're gonna go not, into that, not and keeping that, Michael. Not keeping that. Michael was. Gonna, the... Listen, uh, we all know that Michael was the second shooter in the grassy knoll, but that's well, a different story. Okay? Well, wait a minute, Brian. Wait a minute. Now you're not listening. Back that's into the, the problem. Back into well, the left. Well, that's, that's just the, fine, Brian. Brian, 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 Brian launch into it, please. Save. Back. CBD saved my life. Hold my brains, Jackie. All right, go. <laughs> Back into the lake. Oh, asshole! <laughs> I'm trying to. P- you you want me to push it along so you can end your misery? Yeah, Michael, like you go. Start it off. Oh, you want me to go? And that's okay. the bottom line. Um. Yeah. So, like I said, um, pretty darn good in terms of visuals and stuff like that. I like the cinematography. Actually, I thought it looked really good. Um. Uh, sometimes when there was a couple times where they used stock footage, and that was like, yeah, you know. You're going to recognize that, but, um, I like the, I thought the effects, it surprised me because like I say, I'm used now I'm used to shit like midway and, um, you know, whatever else that's just fucking awful. And, uh, to see something like this from the past, it's like, God damn, why don't we go back to that? Um, but I, uh, the writing for me was just the, the dialogue specifically. I'm just like, this is. Oh, I can't. I can't get behind this. The the dialogue. They punched my last ticket. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it, what as, is uh, life? Yeah. What is death? As yeah. Brian said earlier, this is like a movie from the fifties and sixties, and it's like, yes, and that's not always a good thing. And, yep. uh, <laughs> you mean to tell yep. me this thing's been hot, red, hot, rotten around the universe for millions of years, kid? <laughs> so yeah, that part of it. It's uh that that I was like ooh, but like I say, you could tell the actors were giving it their all, and uh, even if it is like, 
How could you? How could you not though with a set design like that? Yeah, it's green no, that's screen. what I'm saying. It, yeah, no, no, it I'm, I'm just, great. I'm just saying it, it. They did really well for what it is. I'm agreeing. It's like, it's, yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, and um, that's mainly the thing though. Is like what the the whole effects of it and all that are are really well done. And you know, I I don't know how correct it is in terms of the procedures on how they would go about stuff like this, but it all seemed okay to me. Um, but uh, I think I'll give it a. Six out of ten. Seven. I'll give it a seven out of ten. And I'll go to Nate. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so, like, I I actually ended up buying this because I saw the actors within it, and I thought that would be interesting. I've never seen this. The actors look promising, so I'm going to go with it. A um, lot of lot of names, or a lot of faces I've seen later in productions. Like I've seen, actually, a lot of these guys were in um, L.A. Noir and the for the Rockstar game and all that stuff for the facial capture. And then you have Sean Astin from Lord of the Rings. You have the guy from Back to the Future. I can't remember his name. Well, you have Eric Stoltz, who was going to be in Back to the Future. Who is Eric Stoltz? Which one? Eric was that? Stoltz is uh, he's one of the guys on the play, but he was going to be Marty originally. Oh really? Uh, yeah, you that know ex- about that. That's probably the guy who looks like right. Well, like okay. J Fox, which is who I thought it was at first, and then right. I realized it wasn't. Yeah, he's Fucking one of the. Man. He's just one of the random crew in this. But uh, it he in Pulp Fiction, he's John Travolta's drug dealer guy. That that. Actor. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember. Hear me? Yeah. What the fuck? Right, yeah, yeah. that guy was originally going to be Marty McFly. The the little fucking book. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. the the interesting thing about Eric Stoltz and Back to the Future is that they shot the entire movie actually with him, and they they were like, "This fucking sucks. We want to let's make it again with Michael J. Fox." (laughs) And so somewhere they have never released. They've released some footage of it, but somewhere Eric Stoltz. Uh, in Back to the Future exists, but they that, never released that it. must be really big a big ego hitter if they have to refilm a whole movie because of you. He, you know, he's. I'm I, just I, saying. <laughs> I've I've tried to look up Eric Stoltz interviews about Back to the Future. He's never mentioned it. Ever. Yeah, there must be something more to that. Well, also because it was a major fucking hit. That that right. was also really sad. right. Yeah, it would be <laughs> like the guy. It, it would be like the guy who turned on who did Aragorn. They're just like, you know what? This isn't working out. Yeah, it's which like is what they, they just did. found the original Air, or uh, Wilhelm scream, like the original. Uh, yeah, alligator being eaten, man right. sound effects. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so look, yeah. look up the story of Eric Stoltz and Back to the Future because he was doing it. Com- he was doing it way more like taking it really serious and was not funny at all. Jolly um, Gee, well, Jolly thing? Gee, Doc, like a Robocop thing with that too. Where the guy was he, the first actor was taking it really seriously. Um, my Robocop drama. Something I don't know about that. I gotta look that one up. I don't know. I, I always thought I Peter Weller was always uh, the number one choice for RoboCop. I forget it's something like that, but that, that's that's interesting. Mike, look at, yeah, Mike, Mike, Mike B's suck. making Mike B's making nerd faces. Like, come on, shut. I'm the not fuck making up. nerd faces. I'm just going. I have ADHD. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, holy fuck. Sorry, just, yeah. What look you, up. What no, are you talking about? Good. What are you <laughs> talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about, Mike B? <laughs> Come on, what? Jesus. What? I'm always on topic. The man who makes a five-minute conversation into five hours. Yes, yeah, okay, so I fucking, can do it. The sun is actually hitting that tree really <laughs> nice right now. Okay. So, um, yeah, okay, so, yeah. so my whole point <laughs> leading on to it, yeah. the actors and stuff like that, we got on that, went that, went on that little tire, Old Bay tirade. Um, little? <laughs> um, you know, I... The old Bay tirade. I, I, You're I, in the Bay. Yeah, I, I liked... Um, 
no, I, I like the actors, I like all the stuff. I thought the setting, I thought the the sets were really cool. You know, it'd be really. I'm going to dive into that behind the scenes you you shared it, Brian, because I want to see how they made that. Um, my guess is they cut a, cut up a, 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 you know something and remade it in sections, and then like they didn't cut up a plane. Like they made they 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 remade the set to be a plane that's been cut up and stuff. What like we that. did was I sent my PA down to Home Depot and he grabbed a sawzall, and then we started <laughs> cutting up the original plane. Yeah, you know, yeah. Man. The original which, which just, PA because the, the one you sent sucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, John. Yeah, fuck John. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting that right after doing Full Metal Jacket, Mo, uh, Matthew Modine does this movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna make it. I was. I was gonna. Well, it's actually funny. Billy Zane's like kind of on a tear at this point because he's doing this. He's doing. I should look yeah. up how much this movie made. Then he did know, like Tombstone, and then he did Titanic, and all you know, the Billy other things in the 90s. One of the is one of Biff's uh, henchmen in Back to the Future. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah, he is. yeah. So, yeah. yeah do a callback. I forgot about that. Yeah, um, <laughs> but no, I, we talked about the effects. I like the effects a lot. They are dated for what they are, but they're not bad. They're really, really good in some examples. Um, there are some really bad examples. Don't get me wrong, but there's some really good examples. Cinematography's pretty interesting basic it's you know it's it, nothing's horrid um and it's but nothing's crazy either but it's really it's really well paced i like the shots nothing made me go Ugh. um you know um uh dialogue is rough i mean what is not at this point um and you know i i, I liked it. it it really did it really did hit me kind of in the i really like it feel so i i don't think it's gonna get like you know commando level scores of 10 but it's gonna get you know i i think i think we're gonna do i'm gonna sell an eight screw mill gibson's at 10 eight. i think that's a healthy thing yeah i really Shoot. i really enjoyed it. It, it 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 it's again we've talked about we ha- we don't have that much in this caliber and i think it does a really good job and it definitely impressed me a lot more and i and i and i'll keep this very short i think we are so oversaturated with 20 years of cg and again, we have to now rely on that because I think I t- chimed on that too. It's like we have to now rely on that due to the to the era that we live in, where there's no there's not a lot of functional B seventeens uh, anymore to be able to do this again. Um, but you know, I, I really think it is really cool to go back and see that there were actually you know formations like this flying and capturing them and doing all that stuff. I think it's very impressive, and uh, I liked it a lot. So yeah, I'm gonna give it an eight out of ten. I think tonight. So. Um, From now on, when you do a perfect score of ten out of ten, should we call that a commando? A commando. <laughs> yeah, this movie's yes. a commando. Yeah. This movie's a commando. We're going there, commando there, tonight, gentlemen. There's not a lot of commandos out there. Not a lot. There is definitely no. not a lot of commandos out there. Mike would and, say there's uh, probably none. And you, got, and you guys, if you want to spend, because Amazon Prime made it pay to rent at this point, because it was a day after we filmed it, they changed it. If you want to pay five bucks and listen to us talk, it's there on Amazon. So. And you want to hear Mike? If you want to hear Mike's brain in anger, yeah, that's another one. Have you ever wondered what an aneurysm sounds like? I hope it doesn't sound like that because I'm still alive. Did I have a fucking aneurysm when we did that? Oh, did you forget? What is life? What is life? What are we doing? That's a callback. No, no. What is life? What is there? (laughs) What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't Don't hurt me no more. 
Nate, who do you pass the talking pillow? I'll pass it to. Um, I'll pass it to Mike B. Yeah, um, I actually agree with a lot of um, the assessment, and um, again, I don't, I don't know a lot about uh, like bomber crews and the etiquette and everything like that, and so I'm not going to claim to. Um, but the way it was portrayed is like, yeah, when they say we're over ten thousand feet, put your oxygen on. Yes, that is correct. Um, I do like how stuff. they were constantly inflating too, and they got more rapidly inflating as the plane was going down. By the way, did you notice that? Yeah, the breathing rate. Yes, yeah, yeah, that was, that was yep, sorry. Was that like, was a little. That was a little. That was a little detail. I forgot. Little to detail. Mention, so, yep. Yeah. And um, they they stayed calm, which like most, if they're on their twenty fifth mission, not their first fucking rodeo, and so it's more believable that they're going to be able to be like, fuck. Okay, we got an engine out. Okay, we got two. Okay, now three. Shit. You know, like it's it's whatever, but um, I I could get past the dialogue, like the shitty dialogue that's like very kind of um, oh, what the hell? What is the term we always use? Like very um, just canned, um, cheesy, che- dry, uh, uh, lazy, uh, kind of robotic, but like um um, canned. there's a word we always use. No, canned. there's a anyway, whatever. It, yeah, 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 it's just Tried? like. Contrived. No, it's a it's a that's again, a I'll three syllable of, word there. Michael. I'll, I'll think of the fucking that. word at like three a.m. when I wake up, and I'll be like, "Oh my god!" Um, it's like a scarecrow. It's like a very just whatever. Anyway, um, that I can get past because it shows. Okay, this is what a bomber crew would have been sort of experiencing in the Second World War, like an American bomber crew and British, you know, to like B twenty fours and shit. But like, it's cramped. It's 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 uncomfortable. Um, it's nerve wracking as shit. You guys know what you're doing, but it doesn't mean that everything's going to go well. And so with that, um, and like the, the ground crew was really cool too. Like you were saying earlier, Nate, like the mechanic er, and Brian, you were saying like the mechanics are the ones that actually keep those fuckers in the air without them. The pilots don't mean shit. Cause they can't, they can't get the plane off the ground and keep it in the air for more than two minutes if that so it was really cool to see them involved as well i did appreciate that um and yeah we just don't have really anything more about like a bomber crew in the second world war we really don't like it's 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 kind of like when we're doing a greyhound you really don't see anything about a, a dd or a destroyer uh crew anywhere even the in in the pacific or whatever like you don't see that and the communication and how it works. And so, yeah, I like that. Um, all right, I'll stop ranting a little bit, but like it's, it was really cool. And again, I've never seen this film. A lot of my YouTube uh, fucking viewers were like, how oh, have you never seen this? And I'm like, because I haven't. It was the same with me. I had never seen it either. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I, I also would give it an eight out of 10. So. Yeah, I think the things it did were really well. Yes. So, Brian. Decent. Um, <laughs> decent. Just a random side bit. I'm sorry, I haven't replied to you. I'll probably reply to you by the time you hear this, but one of our uh, weekly viewers, Richard, um, the guy from Canada, he <laughs> messaged the podcast this week because he was like, I heard you guys mention Trailer Park Boys. Well, he lives in Nova Scotia in the town they shot most of them, and he was in one of them, actually. 
he was in uh, like the Liquor Day one or something. So Richard, you are a real movie star. Fucking you know, <laughs> it, it, every day is Liquor Day, bud. But uh, yeah, fucking Trailer Park Boys is amazing. So um, yeah, uh, what can I say? Um, yeah, just to reiterate, you know, it's it's a it's a 1960s wartime epic made in 1990. Um, and yeah, that's like Michael said, a lot of good things and a lot of bad things come with that. It's just a very interesting film and what it does well, it does really well. And what it lacks, it definitely shows that it's lacking. But because there's really nothing out there like it, it really, in my opinion, is the gold standard of, you know, bombing missions or bombing movie missions or whatever. Bomber movies, you know, um, that's not from 1944 and it's not from 1967. Like it's a it's a modern era film that's made about the subject. So, um, that being said, I would give this a nine out of ten, only because there's nothing out there like it, and there's nothing that holds a candle to it that was made within twenty years before or after it. You know, um, it's funny because Tuskegee Airmen was made like a year or two after this, and a lot of similar. Th- I see a lot of similarities between this one and that one in good ways and bad ways. And I've always liked to ski airman. I've always felt, you know, it's, it's held as yeah. far really well. And we'll, we'll do it someday. Yeah. Oh, we will. Yeah. You know, it's, it beats the hell out of fucking red tails. Um, <laughs> we'll do that shit. one too. Red shits. Yeah. We'll get to that as well. That's uh, my buddy that I mentioned earlier that saw the B-17s in Europe. I, I saw red tails with him. He walked out after five minutes and I, I wish I joined him. Fucking horrible movie, but no, yeah, no, I'd, I'd give it a 9 out of 10. And before I do our final thoughts, it's um, it's just a really good movie. You know, it reminded me a lot of the original Memphis Belle, you know, why that was made. Um, and it's just really well done. The only scene I think that does a bomber or a bombing mission or whatever better, and it's very short, and it was done by William Wyler as well, is just a very small scene in his movie... Um, the best years of our lives where it's a B-17 navigate navigation veteran. And he's walking through all the, the forts, the B-17s that are being cut up the graveyard. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes up in one of them and he has a flashback from the war. And it's that's a great scene. And it's amazing. And it's beautiful. And yeah, that's the only thing in my opinion that gets closer to the realities of being sighted quote unquote tube in the sky over well, Europe getting shot at. I fucking love that scene because also, that plane graveyard was real because that movie was yeah. shot in 45. So that was, those were actual planes that were, yep. that were being dismantled. The, um, the best years of our lives is about three different soldiers, a sailor, an airman and a soldier, uh, two Pacific veterans and one European veteran and how they are integrated back into civilian life in 1945, 1946 with the GI bill. And it is hands down, in my opinion, the best war movie ever made because it's the, it's the most real war movie ever made showing how you adapt from, from one mode of yourself to another. I watch it. It reminds me of my grandfather. It's amazing. But William Wyler shot that, and the, the B-17 scene is just phenomenal. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. I love um, that scene. The music. Yeah. Best job I ever so had. So good. But he's just, <laughs> best thing no. I ever flew. <laughs> so, and, and one thing I forgot to mention earlier, too, that I thought was interesting is that so one B-17 crashed while they were making this and was destroyed. Nobody was killed, but it was actually all on camera. It was a French B-17. It was uh, they were doing takeoffs and everything, and it didn't uh, take off. Didn't get enough power and hit a tree at 100 miles an hour, 
and crashed. And what film? Yeah. Which, which one was this? This one? Yeah, for Memphis Bell. Oh, wow. They, they destroyed a B-17 for it. Now, like you were saying earlier, these planes are so fragile and there's less and less of them every year. The, this movie cost a B-17, which is horrible, but I think it's worth it. Oh, that Annapolis me. cost a PBY and like two people's lives. Not worth it. I'd much rather have those people's lives back and the what, PBY. What, 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 what film you cut the, out? The Indianapolis. Indianapolis. The one with the new one with uh, Nick, Nick Cage. Cage. Oh, so it, I, I've, I've heard a lot about that. A PBY yeah. <laughs> burned up on the beach and killed like two people. Yeah. And not worth it. Nope. Not worth nope. it for that piece of shit. Bad, have you seen bad, the C? Have that's you seen a bad the deal right there, dude? Have you seen the deal. CGI in that fucking movie? I haven't seen it. I, we'll get I've, to it eventually. I've it looks like it. JJ the jet plane. Like it I looks saw, fucking I, terrible. I saw it in 2015 or 2016, whenever it came. Whenever like a year after it released, I haven't seen it since. It wasn't very memorable. I watched it drunk with my roommate, where we used to watch Nick Cage movies for fun. That was probably fun. Yeah, so I remember being kind of drunk for that, so it makes me think it was a bad one. But uh, um, I also just looked up the budget for this uh, for this movie. Um, it made uh, it was they made it for twenty three million dollars, and it's an estimate. Um, and it's whole it only made uh, twenty seven million. So it's still it's still a profit, for, not not like. Excellent margin. It's like not it's a Passchendaele loss, which is about $20 million anyway. <laughs> so, you know. But he made that movie for the passion of his grandfather, who was shot 14 he times made, in Calgary. He, he made it for the passion of Dale. Yep. Yeah. So. <laughs> that, so I don't think I mentioned that on here, but um, one of the best comments from a Passchendaele episode was, I hate this movie. There's too much passion and not enough Dale. <laughs> I'm like, yep, I'm right there with you, brother. More Dale Gribble, please. That, yeah. that was... That was... Yeah, anyway. Biblical. That was egregiously fucking terrible. <laughs> it was biblically terrible because it, so, he was recreating Christ, so it's fine. Feeding, so our, feeding our scores into the computer that will tell us if we'll actually be able to sustain daylight bombing of Fortress Europe, we get a score of 8 out of 10. So, very solid movie. Pretty good, yep. Totally worth the watch, you know, yep. and... It's going to be very hard, and it might never happen. You know, there might not be a better film about fortresses bombing Europe in the sky, and from during the Second World War. We'll have yeah, to agreed. See. It's a very, um, very solid film. Like it's, there's nothing that's like super shitty about it. You know, it's like, uh, unless unless somebody that's an expert, which we'll probably get in the comments. But like, it's still, even though like, just all around, it's it was just good. You know, the again, it's. It's a product of its time in a good way and in a bad way. Well, and I mean, in, but, but and, Brian, a, 1990 was a pretty bad year, you know, because... Oh, Cold War is over. Nathan was born. Yeah. I was born, Mike, God damn Mike, it. I was born, too, in that yeah. year. Just, oh, you're all, you're all 90s babies? Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Literally the same fucking year. You're the odd man out. Uh, I, I think know, I'm, I'm five yeah. days older than Mike. Wow. Yeah, you are yeah. five days older than me. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Think of how great those five days were. <laughs> as Mike, as Mike says, the world got more shitty the day you were born. So yes. Less shitty. Are you? Who's the oldest? Me. I'm the oldest. Or no, yeah, no, Nate is. No, sorry. Nate, Nate. Nate's. Nate's the. I'm why is this thing fucking? Focus? Oh my god. <laughs> okay, millennial. You're a fucking millennial, Brian. What year were you born? Ninety-four. Ninety-four. That's the cutoff. Yeah. No, ninety-six. In, in 96, well, it's, technically it's, they'll say it's 90 fucking four. It's 90 fucking four. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you, 
you're 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 a you're a super young millennial. You're more of a fucking you're like you're like one of the old angry fucking Gen Xers. It's like I, I'm not a fucking boomer. I fucking hate the boomers. No, no. no you're just mad you're in your thirties. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Grandpa, B17 in the back. B17. So, anyway, yeah, okay. it's a very solid movie. Definitely worth a watch. That's and, funny. Uh, no, it's, yeah, it's awesome. So, yeah, it's, um, it, I definitely re- would recommend, like, it's not a way, and it's not like too long either. That's the thing. It's like, it's an hour, uh, hour and three quarters. Like, well, with the, uh, all the credits and shit out of there. It's like an hour and 35 minutes and it's an easy watch. Like it flows the whole thing. Um, even though like, you know, there's some of it where there's no action, but it's just showing like introducing you to the guys and their routines and everything. It's just, a, it's an easy watch and it's entertaining. Yeah. No, it's, it's great all around. So, but yep. anyway, thanks yep. for joining us again, guys. We'll catch you next week. And there's a hole as big as my dick in the left wing. Example of the writing I'm talking about. <laughs> was that a fucking line? I don't remember. Yeah, oh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. How did I? How did I fucking forget that one? Oh my god! Yeah. I would have opened up the pod the with that ball one. The turret gunner says well, that. Yeah. Here, Nate. It's because you're in your 30s. You're an old fuck. <laughs> oh. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a rating. Otherwise, Mel Gibson won't stop screaming. If you like this content, make sure to check out our Facebook youtube and instagram pages if you want to directly support our work make sure to check out our patreon all these links are in the description below until the next time scuttlebutt out